Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we've got plenty to talk about. Pokemon is pushing these new learn-to-play events, hopefully to get more people involved in the Pokemon TCG, playing it at least. We've got some new cards that were revealed, including one golden Pokemon that seems like it's going to be pretty dang good. We'll talk about all those card reveals. We, of course, will have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast, and we'll wrap it up this week with our Pittsburgh Regional Championship Meta Forecast, because the 2024 season is here, Azul. We're ready to get underway. The new season just about to start. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. Azul, you feeling ready for Pittsburgh, and uh, how was your week, man? I am, I mean, I don't know about ready. I would like to have at least played some more Pokemon before leading up to the event. I guess I like, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Like, I'm not disappointed in myself for like the preparation I've done so far. I prepared at least as much like try hard testing as I usually do, which is basically zero. Uh, I would have liked to have been like at least streaming a little bit more, but I was sick immediately after Worlds. So I'm kind of playing catch up on just like playing newest ways to play decks and meta decks in general a little bit with that which is usually how like i go about doing a lot of getting familiar with a meta is just like playing decks on stream uh and stuff like that so i'm a little bit behind on that than where i would normally be but i'm not like disappointed for where i'm at like i was sick and didn't play much, very much pokemon but feeling okay um yeah i'm excited for the first event of the year uh no matter what and uh, it looks like it's gonna be probably the biggest regional of the year as well or the biggest regional we've had Probably not the biggest regional of the ever. year. Yeah, the biggest regional ever, but probably not the biggest one of the year. The biggest regional ever so far. Ever so far, yeah. Yeah, it does feel like it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger, which is, it, I mean, it's exciting. It's Good a thing. really exciting time to be a competitive, involved in the competitive Pokemon uh, TCG scene. Yeah, I was actually, um, on, the, on that topic real fast, I was actually talking about my chat with that uh, earlier today on my stream. And to be honest, like, Pokemon is probably the like if if you're playing a card game competitively, I think Pokemon's the place to be. Like probably, yeah. It's, it's growing more than the other two big ones, Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic. I mean, I feel like Yu-Gi-Oh is just kind of like waiting to die, to be honest, because it feels like uh, I mean, who's the one who makes Yu-Gi-Oh? Who's behind Yu-Gi-Oh? Konami. It doesn't feel like Konami like cares. They're just kind of like letting it continue. The competitive like tournaments continue. Like, well, I guess like they have to because like that's the only reason to play the game, right? It's not like Pokemon where it's like a, there's a collector scene behind it, but like it doesn't feel like they're trying to push to make it bigger from everything I hear about Yu Gi Oh! Uh, and then the, obviously, like the competitive magic scene has uh taken a steep decline recently. And it's from what I can what from what I can gather about their events as well, it's not it doesn't Dude, feel like if, they're trying to push growth in that on the in the competitive tournaments for it magic. feels like wizards that the company that makes magic is honestly just trying to like milk their <laughs> player base for as much money as possible before like i don't know the downfall or something that's that's honestly what it feels like dude do you know like a, a regular booster pack is eight dollars and fifty cents for magic i'm pretty sure now like that's how much like the lord of the rings Jeez. ones were in target at least yeah. and then they have those collector booster packs do you know how much it is for one collector booster pack at uh when they were on the shelf at target for the lord of the rings set when that came out how much they're 42 dollars <laughs> for one booster yeah, pack one booster pack like what? actually i knew that pre-constructed decks are like 70 dollars. yeah it's kind of insane yeah that's actually like a big thing as well right like like compared to other games i know i wouldn't be i don't think it would be bad if like pokemon 
the the entry the, or the the entry as far as like getting cards like went up a little bit in Pokemon. Like if it naturally did, that wouldn't be a bad thing. But like you can buy like a top tier deck for like fifty bucks, sixty bucks, right? So like yeah. And then once you get some I, of the staples, like that just carries over to so many other decks. Um, so like Pokemon is like in a ridiculously good spot from like and like no matter. I mean, it's like another thing. I got like I've been getting frustrated with how much the Pokemon community has been complaining recently. I think if you live in America and you go to American regionals. You have zero reasons to complain about like the competitive tournament and tournament structure right now. Like you might disagree with like maybe there should be prizing down to top sixty four, but like there's definitely an argument for it to only be down to top thirty two, right? And so on and so forth. So like there's no real complaints you can really have as like an American Pokemon player right now. I feel like like Canadians a little bit expensive to get to America. They don't have that many regionals. Europeans are getting screwed over. Latin American players are getting screwed over. Australians. It's rough for them too, but there's such a small scene. It's really hard. Like I would like to, I would want to be a little bit more informed on like TPCI's decisions with like Australia, but the tournament organizers over there are bad as well. So like Australia is getting screwed over. Latin America is getting screwed over. Europe's getting screwed over. Here in America, not only are we not getting screwed over, but everything is progressing in a very healthy growth way, right? The terms are getting bigger. They're responding to the the players that are showing up. The term, the terms are getting bigger and growing. The caps are being increased. The prize money is getting bigger. Like, yeah, I just don't see a reason that, to complain right now. And I and I love complaining about TPCI. So, like, <laughs> I love complaining about it. But if you play the Pokemon TCG in America, like, this is the best place to be competing for a card game right now, for sure. Like, in the world, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think it's fine to, to praise them for the good things. Like, they've done a lot of good things the last few months. And the prize pool increase um, has certainly, you know, healed a lot of wounds, you could say, right? Or, like, made people forget or, like less worried about things that they were previously more upset about. But like um, one thing I do think that is kind of a problem with the circuit right now is definitely the cup situation, the league cup situation. If you're competing at like region, like regional level stuff, I think is good. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think like cups are kind of a mess. I've seen so many stories locally and just on Twitter of people talking about just terrible cup stories of like, um, you know, tournament organizers or like the, the store owners not allowing people to ID at tournaments and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> poor prizing. I saw the one thread this weekend that I think kind of got a lot of traction. A lot of people probably saw it where a player was talking about how it was $20 entry to this cup and there was 30 something players there. And the store prized out like one and a half booster boxes of Jeez. product. So like, uh, I think there's a, I don't know. And that's like a whole nother topic too, where people might argue about, uh, well, the store needs to make money on their events and stuff like that. But I think like the most important thing as a store, in my opinion, is that you take care of the players and you want uh, them to come back. if you can take care of your player base and like create loyal players, you're going to generate the most revenue in the long term, rather than chasing the short term, you know, few hundred bucks extra from running yeah. a league cup. Uh, it's m much better to not leave that bad taste in in your community's mouth, in my opinion. But well, I think like there could be like some more policing from TPCI on that. I think it's maybe possible. Um, but of course, the best way to kind of do that is like support tickets. You know, sending your support tickets. Um, yeah. I think as long or if as Pokemon a tournament... sent the prize support. 
specifically right like that's what they yeah. used to do for cities right if you want or True. maybe pre-releases or I don't, I don't remember what level of tournament it was but it's like when you, you want a pre-release back in the day you used to get a box right yeah, yeah. and that was provided by the pokemon company so like if pokemon just sent the product and said it was very clear like this is what you give to these things th this you know placement for each of your um you know finishers at your cup and it was like published online, right? For everyone to see, not just like organizers, then, you know, you can hold people to more of a standard. And I think like overall, like, just standardization to, like makes a lot more sense. And in, in yeah. those, that sense. Would right? you have to standardize entry fee then as well? I, I probably, would, right? probably. Yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of like the, the one K's, the five K's or when people, you I feel know... like I see that happening a lot less though than when we saw last summer. Yeah, maybe. But, like, the idea to be flexible with that and, like, run a bigger tournament for your community, I think, is, like, not a bad thing. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I'm, I mean, sure. I think for the system we're in now, I think there's definitely an argument for, like, some more policing from TPCI. But Pokemon players have to stop being so championship boy hungry. And they have to, like, vote with their wallet and not show up to these stores if they're that bad. Oh, yeah. Because the amount of players who are going to go back to these same stores after complaining on is, like, 90%. Yeah, they're gonna show up because totally they're right. CP on like you just gotta vote with your wallet. If they go from a 30 player league cup to a five player league cup, they're not gonna run a they're they're either gonna improve it or they're not gonna run a league cup again. I think one thing that we could that you should definitely submit a support ticket on as far as the league cup goes, because like I don't know the guidelines that TBC gives out to TOs at these places, because I'm sure there's some kind of guidelines, but like if they're not fully advertising what's happening at the tournament, I think that would be that's something that kind of feels disingenuous. You know, if they're like $20 entry fee. Um, they should also be telling you, you know what the pricing is before you show up. I think that'd be reasonable or give you like a breakdown of if we get X amount of players, um, so on and so forth. But I mean, like, uh, as far as like uh, stores making a profit, uh, when people say that, like stores making a profit on the League Cup, uh, I mean, if they're, they're, if they're effectively, if they just take product they have, they're just selling you product for your entry fee. They're always making a profit. It's just like, how far are they going to go, right? If they sold you... If they effectively sold you packs at four dollars a pack based on the entry fee given to you, or five dollars a pack, they make that they're making money. They don't have to go up to ten, fifteen, twenty dollars a a pack effectively, right? Which it sounds like you know that one that you gave was an yeah. example where that's basically what happened. Um, but yeah, you like Pokemon players have to stop being fiends and like vote with your wallet. Don't show up to the league though. cup. People it's value just, the championship points way too highly. And then stop complaining because the, for the current system we're in, that's how you get player. That's how you get uh, uh, tos of the thing or turn uh, or store owners to like recognize that what they're doing is like wrong, you know. Because if you guys just show up and then the tournament happens and there's a winner, then they're like, okay, it went well. Everyone played in the tournament. We'll do it again. <laughs> but like, yeah, you got to vote with your wallet in this situation for sure for the current system. Not saying the system can't improve. Sure, but that's like the that's one of the the biggest ways to improve the system, I think, right now, or to improve the quality of the tournaments you're going to is just don't go to the tournament if it's that bad. One other thing, I mean, this was not in our list of topics to talk about, but like while we're on it, you know, this is something I've kind of uh, that's become an issue in our area at least, and I'm sure it happens elsewhere in the country. Um, is stores not communicating with one another about like the dates that they're holding their tournaments? So. Yeah there's like a, only two or three stores within 30 minutes of my house or so. And uh, two of the stores consistently have their cups and challenges on the same day. And it just, <laughs> it makes no sense. Why would both stores not want more people to be at their events? And then also one of the stores nearby um, 
I heard apparently they intentionally, intentionally scheduled their League Cup to be the same weekend as Pittsburgh because they wanted to give the less competitive players a chance to earn points. <laughs> I mean, I guess. And to it... me, so like, I think stores should always do what makes the most sense for like their local player base first, right? I'm totally yeah. on board for that. Um, but when it comes to league cups specifically, I mean, they're meant to be a little bit higher level of a tournament than league challenges. They are meant to be one of the main bridges for most people to get to worlds. Like the majority of people who get their worlds invite are going to get 40 plus percent of their points from league cups and challenges. Yeah. Um, so they, they are a super important part of the invite structure. So to me, it just feels so backwards that, I think there maybe should be some sort of blackout date of if there's a regional championship within 500 mile radius or something of where your store is or whatever a reasonable driving distance, like 10 hour driving distance cap or something, maybe not even that high, but you know, seven, eight hours, something like that. If there's a regional championship, there should be like maybe a blackout date in a certain radius. I think that would make sense. That's another thing I'd like to see happen. I don't know if I'd ever go that far. I mean, like, I'm mean, actually curious then for like the two, League Cups, you said that happened. They were both stores like 30 minutes away from you. It doesn't sound like for those stores, they were doing any with anything malicious intent, right? Like they weren't trying to like, or like trying to like, no, you know, no, but from what I've the other heard store by running is, their cup at the same time. I've talked to people at one of the stores and like, been like, hey, why does this keep happening? And they've, you know, some people have said like, you know, we've tried to reach out and it just doesn't seem like they're very interested in trying to work. They're just going to go with what works for their schedule. And if it just happens that, things happen on the same weekend then it is what it is yeah because it sounds like as long as like both the store if both stores are capping on capacity then it doesn't really matter right but it, i assume that's not the sure and one of them is pretty small to be honest but yeah i, don't I mean if i don't want to talk too much specifics about yeah. this stuff because i don't know like uh, you know, the last thing i was going to say all the oh, details one more thing to say on that um yeah i think i think for the most part for that stuff to like get fixed yeah, but uh, so another thing with like leak up, it, like uh, it even says like in like the guidelines for it. I saw this come up recently on Twitter. It's like th that they were against it, but um, stores can like offer favor like uh, favoritism to their local players as far as entry goes, right? Like they can get, let them sign up first, um, which I think is fine as well. Sure. But then, yeah, then I don't know why you have to go away. If you like let your locals sign up to the leak up first, I don't know why you would run it on the same weekend as a regional. I guess it's so that those what players can't show up at all. What if your locals want to go to the regional, you know? Yeah. Like... I guess it's just like so those players can't show up at all, I guess would be a reason, right? Like the they, they're they intentionally making it so it's just some players, which is weird. I mean, I assume I, as a store, I would assume you'd want as many people there as possible, like with the idea of making a profit, but running bigger, just running a bigger tournament, whatever it might be. Uh, of course, you are a business, so making a profit, I assume, has to be on the mind a little bit <laughs> and sure to, to go back a little bit to what i was saying earlier i'm all for complaining uh about tpci messing things up um and not responding well to situations uh but like what i said earlier like if you if you're playing in america right now there's basically no way to no reason to complain about major tournaments that's because they're they are have responded to basically all the issues that we've had in, in a very reasonable manner there's like, like I said, there's basically, if you're playing in America and going to American tournaments, American major tournaments, you have no reason to really complain right now at all about anything. Everything is on track with the growth of the game uh, and making even like far and above uh, probably unexpected improvements with like the prize pool increase and stuff like that. So I feel like people just like to complain about stuff. It's like almost like 
embedded in the culture of the Pokemon community at this point to just constantly complain about things that are not perfect um, or going perfectly at major Pokemon tournaments. But like, not everything's going to be truly perfect. But I think the back and forth we have with TBCI right now at American regionals, Europe, like I said, Europe, Latin America, Australia, they're all being screwed over because for the most part, I think it is like their TOs, like they're especially like their, their regional TOs. I feel like don't quite have the connection to the community that we have here in America. I mean, we've got people like, uh, you know, Kreckler, Jimmy Ballard. Uh, they've played the game. Their kids have played the game, right? Like they have a much like, they're probably a lot more passionate about trying to see the game grow and everything to, to work a lot better. But I, over in Europe, as far as I can tell, the, the people who run those tournaments are like actual tournament organizers. ESL is the one who runs the Australian tournaments. And then uh, Copag has always been one of the worst tournament organizers that they have in Latin America. So I think we have to give big props to not just TPCI in this sense, but also the TOs that we have here in America for, for it being in such a good spot. So I definitely feel for the rest of the world, but like I said, yeah, if you're in America right now, it's it's uh, probably the best it's ever been, to be honest. Yeah, I've heard there's still people uh, when dealing with Copag that like have not gotten paid out their money yeah. from winning <laughs> from their winnings <laughs> LAIC. LAIC last year. Yeah, and we're like two months away from LAIC this year, so it's hopefully they get that figured out. Year, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Let's go ahead and let's move on to our our first topic. Yeah, uh, go ahead and kick us off, Chip. Yes, yeah, so, you know, I mean, it does feel like things are improving continually with the Pokemon TCG. And part of that, too, is more people getting involved in the Pokemon TCG. And I feel like TPCI has really focused a ton of effort the last 12 to 24 months at getting people involved in playing the Pokemon TCG, or at least like getting people to learn how to play the Pokemon TCG um you know pokemon's one of the biggest brands in the entire world biggest the biggest right um uh but when it comes to the tcg specifically we've got a ton of fans that p- collect the cards have had cards from their childhood right but the majority massive majority of people just don't know how to play the game and so we've seen a ton of efforts put forth by pokemon to try to remedy that right the um what is it called? The Battle Academy, the board game version that they sell in stores. I think, is it called Battle Academy? I don't remember what it is exactly. Um, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I have not seen this thing. It's a battle. I think it's the Battle Academy. But, um, oh, you know, they've released that a couple of years ago as a way to try to get people, you know, uh, figure out how to play the Pokemon TCG. They've uh, been hosting these play labs, which we'll talk about here in a second. And now they're also bringing uh demo events to local pokemon leagues they actually put this release out on the pokemon website today says start your pokemon tcg journey at a demo events at league attend one of these events to get a participating retailer to discover the game and get a demo deck featuring a pokemon v and uh yeah it just sounds like you know at your local stores if they're holding one of these demo events they're trying to just get more people with Pokemon cards in their hands in an environment where they're actually be playing with the Pokemon cards. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool to see. I actually talked to uh, another topic that came up in my chat today was um, how it seems like the we're still kind of missing the numbers for like juniors and seniors that we had pre-COVID. And I think a lot of that has to do with COVID, like post-COVID, you know, uh, someone doesn't want to show up with their kids at like a, a, a regional that they had to drive four hours to or fly to or something, um, having not played any local tournaments. So hopefully we start to like see that growth again in the juniors and seniors division where, okay, now there's a lot of places and a lot of 
um a lot of places where you know the kids can go play locally now now that covid's you know done with for a while now and then they that can get them more into the game and we'll hopefully see a little bit more growth in like the juniors and seniors numbers moving forward and this will these kind of things will also kind of contribute to that as well right like just getting more people playing the game uh overall uh, i actually wonder like if it doesn't if that doesn't happen though like if we don't see kind of a resurgence in juniors and seniors numbers do you think we ever i don't think we'd ever got cut both divisions out but do you think we ever go down to just two divisions like masters and oh yeah i mean i've thought for a while that a two division system would be better yeah um, i like too. under under 13 over 13 something like that is like yeah. i think an acceptable break i mean that's like um a lot of esports you you have to be 13 years old to compete in so i think that's like a just kind of a natural break where I, I think that has to do with like cash pricing laws or something like that. So that um, makes sense. Yeah. And, but and then, I know Pokemon, Pokemon doesn't give cash pricing to anyone under 18. So I don't know, maybe their, their policy is just different, but yeah, I know in magic, there is like a, a kid's division, but they can choose to play in the, the, the just general uh, tournament if they want to. I, I think that should also be something we see with, if that change ever happens or we go down to like two divisions, I think that I think if a kid who's you know, uh, you know, whoever old that might be, ten years old, is like, nah, I want to play with the, in the Masters division. I don't think that would be uh, a bad thing. You know, that's also, where they're headed, anyways. Eventually, also like, I don't think numbers are necessarily doing bad in juniors and seniors. I don't know what the numbers were at pre-COVID, but I mean, I guess that would be something to check. Pretty much all regionals have been over a hundred players. Uh, the like last few North American regionals, and I'm I'm pretty certain well, for, pittsburgh is gonna well surpass that in both yeah. divisions i mean i don't i don't remember the last time a junior event had over 100 besides ics right no i'm pretty sure i at could regionals? just be misremembering now yeah i, th but I don't I'm think juniors sure. have been breaking 100 at regionals i could be wrong there's nowhere to look at this information either because no one tracks any not that there's like a real reason to of course but like it's really hard to find these numbers uh um for sure um but it definitely isn't growing at the ratio that the masters players are for sure not that that probably should be expected because um obviously like an age capped tournament there's like less people to potentially play in the juniors or seniors once you reach a certain age you just become a master and then there's way more people who are masters players of course but um yeah i don't know i, I guess it did feel that way but maybe it's not quite as uh as, i mean i don't know you have like kids showing up to like league cubs and league challenges and there's like one junior or one senior though which yeah that that is definitely a thing uh a huge part and i feel like that used of, to be less of that pre -COVID. i feel like a lot of uh you know parents who are kind of in the know about getting their kids their invite kind of just count on the fact that they're going to get 390 points from cups and challenges <laughs> like they're going to be able to max cups and challenges just because of like usually numbers and it's different in every area you know i think there are some areas where there's you know, always going to be a decent little bit of juniors, but um, I mean, I know a couple of kids that I coach, like very common that there's two other kids there that like don't have competitive decks at their local tournaments. Yeah. So. yeah. And there's a, yeah, I guess there's a lot more of that as well uh, for sure. Where the kids just show up, have no, no clue what's going on. They're playing the league battle decks or whatever. Yeah. Were you able to um, find any numbers? Uh, I'm just trying to find, I actually might be able to find it because I know Arcanine tweets out results and on that when they tweet out results like it shows the list of players it's like on the roster so I think I might be able to find it um, but I just have to find an Arcanine tweet and they tweet a lot because there's all this stuff <laughs> happening constantly but I mean I guess like with 
you know, while I'm I'm looking for this here, um, it seems like the products that they're giving to people at these demo events at League, you know, it says you can get a 30-card demo deck featuring Lucario V, Umbreon V, or Greninja V, which sounds a lot, and I imagine is the same. <laughs> it sounds a lot like and probably is just the same as the decks that are given to people at the Play Lab. So if anyone doesn't know what the Play Lab is, it's kind of this, like, traveling um how to play pokemon tcg setup that they've taken to the international championships but it also goes to a ton of uh big like gaming events like it's at the pax east and west events it's been at Origins. go fest and been at worlds all these things and uh from what i've heard i've i've never been to a pax you went to, you've been to pax east in the past right yeah um from what i've heard like i mean a lot of those events are just like waiting in lines to demo certain <laughs> things. But I've heard that the play lab is consistently like the longest line at these events. It's pretty dope. I, yeah. I've actually never seen this before. They have this at the ICs. Yeah. Yeah. Like this exact setup with all this yes. stuff. Oh, yes. where, where do they hide it? I've never seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> they've got, they've got space. No, I know. I'm just like, I've never seen it. I don't know where they're putting it. Well, um, they do it. I don't know. They make yeah, it that's pretty dope to hear. Yeah. I mean, I've been to packs before. It is a lot of waiting in lines. I don't really recommend it overly, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of those kind of uh, conventions. I like being able to do stuff. But if you do go there, I mean, the the place, like, when I went to PAX, like, that's not true. I guess I would go back. But I would, specifically, the things I you would want to go do is, like, play indie games and board games. Because there's no one waiting in lines in any, any of those kind of areas. But if you ever, any of the big stuff is, like, yeah, it's, like, waiting an hour to, you know, play for, like, 10 minutes or whatever it might be um so yeah but um yeah if you're into like board games and indie games they're there they're, then it's a pretty good time to be honest but yeah it's cool to see i didn't know it was uh that big the play labs thing um yeah, it seems like they're definitely invested into trying to get new people in the game in different ways and not just fully relying on kind of the game store funnel to people figuring out how to play the game and how to play pokemon and getting into the scene okay so i did find one result real quick I had to manually count it real quick because for some reason, <laughs> well, on our, it can't on be that many. If you manually counted it, it doesn't tell you this is from Milwaukee this past year. Uh, and I already also even just forgot the number, but it was like 94 or something like that. 93, 94. So okay, over 90. Okay. Um, and I actually, now that I got that number in my head, um, remember talking to some parents a few times this past year uh about numbers at tournaments and it was like there was several tournaments where it was like 95 96 which was annoying because 100 players was the kicker for top 32 to get points mm. so it was like pretty annoying that they were just like a couple players away from the top 32 getting championship points at those events but again another thing that they addressed this year um they Updated all of the kickers to make them like just kind of make more sense in line with uh like tournament numbers. So like for top 32, now the kicker is 80. So if there's 80 people in the tournament, top 32 will get points. It was 100 last year. Yeah, they definitely upped it a, a lot. It's like yeah, it's like sometimes it's yeah, it's close to 50 percent, not all the time. Yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. for top five twelve, it is literally 50 percent. Yeah, 50 percent. 
Yeah. This is also going to be so this weekend in Pittsburgh. It's going to be the first time that someone gets top five, 12 points at a Pokemon tournament. Those 20 championship points. There's going to be 256 <laughs> people that get 20 points. Let's go. I mean, hey, if you're only going to what? What's the best finish limit? Six. If you're only six, going to like yeah. six regionals, those 20 points, they'll count. They'll, they will count. They will they'll count. count. Maybe you don't have a, maybe you have a did not finish as well. So yeah, they will count in those situations. So it's better to get them than not. I wonder if like, uh, yeah never mind i mean is it gonna be i guess it's gonna be i don't know it's just like 20 points it's gonna be like more cutthroat that last couple of rounds of the tournament people are gonna be sticking out i a mean what longer, do you need to get top five to, i mean i don't know if there's 1800 people at this tournament i'm not gonna have 1800 we'll be less than that i think 1700 yeah. i mean it's gonna be know, like bro, 1700 you're... yeah 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 it'll be around 17 i think because it's what 22 almost 22 right now 21 is 21 the no shows and stuff 100 juniors 150 seniors Some no um 19 200 no shows yeah 17 probably around 17 i don't know I don't that there'll be 200 that's a lot of no shows for 200 is it see i want to know the percentages for we could we should have like i i wanted to actually like can we look at numbers from you can't look at like reg, pre-registered numbers can you on rk9 no can you? maybe you can i don't, I don't think so. maybe somewhere maybe somewhere because yeah, I would want to know like the registered number and then how many players. I mean, you know, let me write down these number, this number right now. Okay, okay, and then we, we can, can come see. back to it next time. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll have to count the juniors and seniors manually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, manually go in. I can like go back. I can see like NAIC, but there's no information about numbers at all here. Um. Yeah. So you have to like, and I'm gonna write this number down right now before I forget. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like the registered number of masters is over 1800, but it'll just be a question of yeah, how many actually. Uh, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe there show. won't be as many no shows. I mean, there's gonna obviously people who like yeah, how many people are like registering and then being like last minute and be like, eh, I don't really want to drive the two hours to Pittsburgh today, right? Or <laughs> it'll happen to someone, I mean, right? It'll happen. Yeah, to someone. someone booked their flight. They booked their flight. Some people have canceled flights, so that might be a couple. Yeah, um, travel issues for whatever reason, right? Yeah, you're yeah. not that many. Once we'll, you commit we'll, we'll have 70 to, bucks, you're maybe we'll, we'll do the research. We'll we'll report yeah. back, you know, <laughs> keep everyone updated on what exactly happens. But yeah, overall, just cool to see Pokemon still like investing more and getting more people to play the game. Cause I, I think it is one of the bigger issues uh with, you know, I mean, compared to I've said this many times before, but like anyone can tune into a VGC stream and kind of immediately grasp what's going on, right? Everyone's played a Pokemon game, everyone understands how Pokemon battling works. Yeah. Anyone who's ever played any MOBA game can turn it, tune into Unite and kind of understand what's going on. Uh, Pokemon Go may be a little bit more confusing, but like pretty similar to just a regular Pokemon battle. But if you don't like know what's happening in the Pokemon TCG... Well, everyone's played Pokemon Go. Like yeah, literally, sure, it's sure. such a popular game. No, they haven't battled though necessarily, right? Like you battled the Team Rocket people or whatever. Like yeah, yeah. Close enough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You've tapped your screen to beat a Team Rocket balloon <laughs> or whatever. Take down the grunts. To be honest. Team Go Rocket. Shemansky might actually know, might actually already be aware of the number of like registered versus the missing. What would you even call it? Absent? Uh, no shows. No shows. Yeah. Yeah, just no shows. <laughs> what the percentage is like on average. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it'd probably yeah, be I'm around. I'm sure that what? organizers definitely like know those types of numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Because they want to work with that number probably as well, right? Like you wouldn't mind right. opening up the extra five percent slots just because you know they're not going to show, and then 
I wonder if that's like one of those things though, where it goes too far and then everyone shows up one time. There's not enough tables. It's like, uh, you know how flights like over. I wonder if I'm allowed to. I don't know. Probably not. But <laughs> well, like... Let's just go with no. The fact that you just questioned that right there. Sure. I'll save you right nice. now, Chip, and I'll just say <laughs> let's not. <laughs> um. Yeah, I wonder if it's like, you know, flights have flights overbook all the time, like on purpose. They know they're selling 120 seats that they have 100 <coughs> seats for on planes. Not maybe that quite that many. It's 20% is a lot, but mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I wonder if that's similar to like at Pokemon regionals. They're like, well, we only got venue space for 3,000 people. Let's put out 3,200 tickets. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's good business right there. I, I wouldn't blame <laughs> them, to be honest. <laughs> um. But yeah, unless you, right. unless you had anything else, we got some new cards to take a look at. Yeah, we do have some new cards and some pretty interesting ones as well. So a lot of talk really around one, I think, main card that's been the point mm -hmm. of discussion. But it wasn't the only thing revealed. There are quite a few cards here. So we'll, we'll start. I don't know if there's anything super crazy in these upper cards. Now, let's um, just talk about the minimum uh, or the mining real fast. Yeah, that's sure. The 70 HP, the body pulse ability. If you have Plusle in play, whenever your opponent attaches energy from their hand to one of their Pokemon, put two damage counters on that Pokemon. So we've seen this ability before. So I just wanted to ask you, Chip, do you think this will ever be good? We've seen this ability so many times. Currently, there's a Radiant Charge bug that does it for V Pokemon, I think, exclusively. Um, yeah. the, the when your opponent attaches an energy from their hand to a Pokemon, take 20. It has never been good. I think the most... Now, I've been playing the full-time in the Pokemon TCG series. Yeah, I was going to say. The most effective one that I think I've ever seen was the Stadium that people played in Plasma decks. To, was it, I forget what it was called. Frozen City? Frozen... I don't know. But you played it because Blastoise loaded a bunch of energy on their Keldeo. They put a bunch of damage on their Keldeo to be able to knock out your Lugia. And you could like swing back with Lugia and get like the two prize, extra prize knockout. But... Old school knowledge is oh, maybe my not lack in where here. it's uh, has been. No, so there was one iteration of this type of ability that was pretty good uh, back in two thousand and five. I, I didn't play back then, so. <laughs> and that is Dark Ampharos. It has the darkest impulse poke body. As long as it is in play, whenever your opponent plays an evolution card from his or her hand to evolve one of his or her Pokemon. You put two damage counters on that Pokemon. So I did also, by the way, misremember this. It's a little different because it's when you evolve versus attaching energy cards. Um, oh, but, oh, that's not so the same, Chip. It is not the same. So I yeah, will apologize, right. redact, and exit <laughs> out of this tab. Do you think it'll universe. ever be good? You, like, we've seen this so many times. We just had Radiant Charge a bug. What, why don't they make it a little bit stronger, or a little bit more convenient? Like, I just want to see one of them be good once. Like, I don't think this one is it. You need two Pokemon on your bench for your opponent to take 20 damage counters when they attach an energy. Like, what is the condition for Charger Bug right now? It has to be a V Pokemon, and then it takes 20, oh, I believe. Yeah, yeah. dude, even I mean, if but it's like was if they just Pokemon? made it like a blanket, if it was just like a one basic and put it in play, like. Would it be too good? Would it be too annoying? Probably not, right? I don't if think it was so. like, like Charger Bug wouldn't be good if it said any Pokemon right now. Yeah, yeah. If because it, it's a what uh, a one of card, right? But like, what if it was? It, but it would be too good if it was like Minin, but it was just the Minin, and you could have like four of them in play, right? I don't know. Would that be too good? That'd be kind of sick. That'd be sick. It's Eighty damage, but it's four bench spaces, I guess. Yeah, you. No one has four bench spaces to give up. You literally can't do that. So that's what I'm saying. Like. Um, I guess, like, and and Radiant Charge Bug, maybe they were thinking ahead and like, oh, Radiant Charge Bug will be too good against Backscalibur, uh, GM Power when it comes out. Like, maybe, 
Pokemon but, V. But I think that would be a cool tech card for a matchup to include all of a sudden, right? Sure, Maybe I don't sure. know. So I don't know. I'm like just, yeah, Frozen I'm just curious what City you think. back in the day. Yeah, Frozen City. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Frozen City. It's a I don't know. I think yeah, it's called yeah, Frozen it's City. A stadium card. It was used as a Blastoise yes. counter. Yeah, because I played uh Plasma Lugia that year. I played four Frozen City for the for the Blastoise <laughs> matchup. Cause I because I was like, I needed I th- I was like, I need a stadium. Blastoise is really popular. All right, four Frozen City. I think it was four. I don't remember. I don't remember why I wanted to counter stadium so bad either, but um, yeah, that's yeah. four. I mean, you you did not want a Verbank to stay in play, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that'd be one, I think. Um but yeah, I don't know. They've given us it so many times and it's never been good. I mean, maybe they don't intend it to be good, but why do they keep giving it to us? And why can't it just be good once? I just want it to be good once, you know? Well, know. it's probably not going to be mining. No, I don't think so. <laughs> we do have a, a Hoopa EX, which by the way, is what I got to say in the podcast comments last week, you caught a lot of flack for uh, not knowing the Hoopa on the guess the flavor text. Oh, there were so I didn't many read people who were like, I knew it right away. I saw like m- more well, than a normal than... amount of comments of people <laughs> saying, like, I knew right away. I mean, a lot of people play the video games and stuff. You know, their lore is a little bit uh, further along than mine. I have no Pokemon lore. Even just watching like the animes and stuff, I'm sure offers some decent amount of background to to Pokemon like that. I don't do any of that. So, yeah, I just re- I just play the cards. That's it. That's all I do is play the cards. But yeah, Hoopa EX 220 Terra Pokemon. So it's got that really cool, interesting Terra attribute uh, for two dark energy. It's got the energy crust, 50 damage times the amount of energy attached to all your opponent's Pokemon. So it could be a cool counter card, but it is a fighting Pokemon with a dark type attack. So dark patch, it doesn't work on it. So that's awkward for it, at least initially, unless we get some other stuff to work with dark energy. And then dark, dark, dark 200. This Pokemon can't use a scoundrel fist during your next turn. So I think the first attack would be like the value here to gain in like a specific matchup. But yeah, there's no real efficient way to set it up right now, I don't think. It's a little ways away, of course. Yeah, I don't think. Um, well, no, this will be in Paradox. It probably will, actually, yeah. So, so, well, I keep thinking of like 151 as being like a major set release, which it's not. But I think we might, like 151 is, I don't actually know. I think 151 would have been more impactful if we actually got it before Obsidian Flames. But now that yeah. we're getting it after Obsidian Flames, I don't know how much of an impact it's going to have. We'll see. Yeah, Hoopa seems very, very meh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, this card's not very good. I was just quickly reading the Thievel here. We'll go on, on to the Thievel. All right. All right. So this would be something we don't really see in Pokemon very much as fires like a type of deck goes. But like imagine if someone judges you and then hits you with Thievel. That would be pretty annoying, right? Now, is it going to consistently be good enough to make... Well, yeah, but like, I don't know, just like kind of like a tempo play where you like limit your opponent's resources as much as you possibly can during your yeah, turn. So much ability. deck space commitment and also so much card play commitment I know. too. But I just think like that style of deck would be cool to see in Pokemon where I feel like it doesn't really exist in Pokemon, but I feel like it exists in other card games. So, Thievel, so for anyone who just so we get it out there real yeah. quick, the Thievel that we're talking about, it has the <laughs> ability sneaky snatch. Once during your turn, when you play this card from your hand Thievel to no thieving. one of your Pokemon, you may look at your opponent's hand Choose two energy cards you find there and have your opponent shuffle them into their deck. So, yeah, like, I mean, like... similar type effects have been good in the past. Like, Team Skull Grunt was a good control card for a while, uh, but that discarded the energy cards and it was True. a supporter card. Uh, this requires you to bench a Nick it and then evolve it into Thievel. I agree with Azul. You know, it would be cool if there was some sort of tempo play type deck that could do something like that. But it's just not, you know, 
the problem is if with, your opponent with, has a what research, the card they pool looks care. like it just isn't gonna happen yeah yeah it would have to be like a more like um utility supporter based format where it's like you're playing a skyla for a turn to get a specific item or like back when we had baby search stuff like that but now you're just like okay research draw a fresh seven get my energy back so. okay so sorry that we uh <laughs> that i almost skipped the thievel azul i did not All realize right, keep going <laughs> and then we've got golden go ex definitely the best card here that we're going to talk about today there are a few other ones we'll go over real quick but uh yeah golden go has the ability bonus coins once during your turn you may draw one card and if this pokemon is in the active spot draw two cards instead and then it also has the make it rain attack for just one middle energy it does 50 damage and then you discard any number of basic energy cards from your hand this attack does 50 damage for each card discarded in this way it's a stage one 260 hp metal type pokemon also worth mentioning real quickly there are two gimmigool here but one of them does have call for family so anytime there's like an evolving basic that has a call for family attack that instantly makes the evolution line that much better right yeah definitely sorry yeah, golden uh golden go does seem solid um and i think like you're gonna be like theoretically like there's a lot you can do with this like in terms of um you know what else you'd include in here you we got yeah, there's a lot energy of cards retrieval. in the format that work well with this yeah we got superior energy retrieval we got energy retrieval is our stadium that works with energy right now not really right um but even then like you have to find your you have to have other ways to like get your energy initially i think you'd probably play this with gm pow to be honest um because you already want to like play probably a heavy switch or... count to switch between the golden goes oh true eldegas here once during your turn you may search your deck for up to two basic energy cards reveal them and put them into your hand and then shuffle your that's deck. true i forgot about the goss i forgot about the goss also in 151 we are getting the stage one tool card finally that it that reduces the damage that stage one pokemon take by 30 so you're looking at like an effective 290 hp there as well potentially um potential to one hit ko anything like i don't know it could be decent it could it could be just kind of like a i mean it's kind of like gm pat with more hp right don't have to play stage it, two it reminds me of this oh, cool. alolan doug trio from a few yeah, years ago is this pokemon. i don't know if you remember this card dude i loved playing Gold this card Rush. also this card is in my cube and i love playing it in, in the cube as well a lot of fun uh hp he's, he's a little squishy a little squishy <laughs> yeah but definitely looks solid i mean it's one of those cards where like it looks all but if this wasn't good i wouldn't be surprised but it at least looks solid enough to be like I mean, the Dude, fact I, it's like a good attack, like you can see the damage output there. It can yeah. one hit KO anything. Definitely it'll two hit KO just about anything um, if you're getting set up, I guess. But then it also just has like built-in card draw to the the card as well. Like that, it I just, mean, I think the card would be mediocre if it just had the attack. But like the fact that it has this card draw built in as well. And like you can fill the board with golden goals and just, Switch, if you have to switch. four in play, you get to draw five cards every turn for free, right? Because you have yeah, one in the yeah. active. Uh, and then if you're switching between them, you can draw even more cards potentially as well. Yeah, I think this card's pretty solid. Yeah, and at the very least, if it's not like an actual competitive meta deck, that's what's so frustrating about Obsidian Flames is you have to work so hard to try and make anything. Like I tried Vespa Queen the other day, and it was just terrible. Like, it was just so bad. Dude, you, can't you even were play... so hype on the Vespa Queen. You can't even play Toad Scroll. Because it's it's bugged on PDCG Live still. Like, so we can't even try out the Toad Scroll. And then that's kind of it. There was Vesper Queen, Toad Scroll, and Charizard. And Charizard's obviously like a okay meta deck. But Golden Go is one of those cards where it's like, okay, even if this isn't a meta deck and it's just terrible competitively, 
uh, it's one of those things where it looks like you'll definitely be able to like play it and have fun with it, right? And like enjoy the experience of making a deck around it and not be miserable trying to make Vespa Queen work or something, right? Like, <laughs> which which there was so there was that's that's what's so frustrating about Obsidian Flames is there's just nothing in the set to even like make a like a cool meme deck where you have like a fifty percent win rate on the ladder. But Golden Go will probably be able to at least uh at least do that a 50 percent win rate with golden go seems very it's a lot harder to do that than it used to be like i remember back when i was doing like the youtube content grind back in like early sun and moon days whenever a new set came out i would make a video on every single one of the ultra rare cards in the set like i remember i mean (laughs) and some of them were pretty bad right yeah uh like I remember me taking a long time to get good games with a uh, Toxapex GX deck that I remember this one <laughs> taking forever because <laughs> this card sucks. <laughs> and that's kind of the the problem with like a lot of these newer EXs. And I think I think that we'll get solved. I think one of the problems, literally in the current game, is just Battle VIP Pass and Lost Box. Like that's such a it's just those cards are so to- like the the cards and how they interact with other decks is so toxic. Like we just need that stuff to rotate. At least Battle VIP Pass might slow down the loss on decks enough where it's like other things can kind of get their foot in the door. Um, but it's like I haven't even seen like I'm not so, I don't think I, like initially I was like thinking okay this could there could be something here with like Tyranitar but like I haven't even ran in, ran into one on the ladder. Like no one's even like trying to make it work because it probably just gets obliterated by Lost Tina and Guardian and all this stuff. So it's just like yeah, it's not even enjoyable. You got to just like the Golden Go ladder to try your silly decks, you know? No, but it's so casual. It's too casual. You can't have fun just beating up on a league battle deck. Like it's not fun. Like you want to be able to like like the Golden Go deck. I could probably you could probably play that and like you know you can take some Guardies to the edge and get some games against Lost Tinas and stuff. So that's like that's what I'm kind of excited for with like a card like Golden Go. But I feel like there's so much so. Lo- obsidian flames just kind of like left a bad taste in my mouth for sure as far as that goes because there wasn't there wasn't enough golden goes to be like okay you can continue to have fun with the new set it was just so garbage and then i think of all the card reveals there's really only one other card worth now this one i think is better than golden go actually you said golden about... go was the best i don't know dude i i think golden goes i mean you seem to think it's just fine i think this card is going to be like good, really good but I, i've been very See. wrong about that in the past <laughs> i remember thinking like how could zork uh v star be like not a tier <laughs> yeah, one deck. That. it yeah. did get top eight at the first regional though yeah. like yeah, it was the deck know? is so sick dude <laughs> No, but see, Zorak, see, that's what I, I want more decks like Zorak. Zorak was very close to being a good deck. It just wasn't quite there. It was so close. Kieran VMAX is something that somehow so many people played. That <laughs> thing was never good. So, like, I just want more of those. Like, that's cool when even these, like, not tier one, not tier two, not even competitive decks, but you can still, like, have fun and play with them up against, you know, the, the competitive decks. And, like, you can have a back and forth. And we're probably also just in, like, a weird spot right now because it's, like, they're trying to introduce the EX era, but we still have these, like, really powerful high HP. Yeah, two prizes. and yeah. V-stars, right? That, that's it probably... Is, yeah, it's Lost Box and Battle of the part of it. We're so close, man. We're so close. And to be honest, if the game still feels the same way after Lost Box and Battle of the IP Pass rotate then i don't know maybe there's no hope to be honest maybe there's no hope. i'm not saying pokemon's like terrible right now it's just i honestly though Azul, like i think if you're I've been through a, some a player who's playing in america area. like you just don't have anything to complain about <laughs> no right as now, far though, as so. major tournaments go that's nothing to do with the actual game state like i just know pokemon has been in a lot better spots than it is currently and you know i feel like i feel like the current problem card is definitely battle vip pass it's just such an unenjoyable card to play um, and you kind of have to play it if you want to be like reasonably competitive right 
Um, and then we saw also, every single deck in top eight of worlds yep. had four copies of the card in their deck. Yeah, and it's just like a, I, I hate the card. It's not enjoy. Every time I make a new deck, I always try and run it without four battle VIP pass. And four battle VIP pass almost always ends up in the deck by the time I'm done testing. It's like, well, yeah, I think you kind of have to include four battle VIP pass. It just runs better. It's more powerful this way. Um, but this another card that might be powerful or hopefully as powerful is Zatu. And I thought this thing had to be in the active to use this ability. So my mind got a little bit blown. Um, when I read it again, it was, and it says, once during your turn, you may attach a psychic energy from your hand to one of your bench Pokemon. It does have to go to a bench Pokemon. And if you do, draw two cards. So it basically has Shadow Riders, Shadow Rider VMAX's ability. If anyone's mm-hmm. familiar with that card, attach a psychic energy from your hand to one of your bench Pokemon. Draw, draw The drawing two card effect is like going to be super strong in there as well. The question will just be, is this going to be another Flaffy scenario where there's, well, Flaffy is kind of getting its, uh, getting its come up now with Maridon, but is this going to be like a, well, Flaffy's been around for so long and it just never had the attackers to really make it work uh, competitively. Do you think they'll they'll release some good attackers with the Zatu? Well, it's just such a different. They're they're similar, but they're two very different cards, right? Like Zatu is draw power and yep. energy acceleration, good whereas uh flaffy is energy acceleration and recovery right so it's like they're both doing two things but they're doing two similar but different things draw power is generally more powerful right powerful thing but it's draw power that requires something specific to make happen as well and it requires you to set up a stage one that's not doing anything besides getting your energy cards in play um so a really powerful attack it would probably be too good yeah sure but i mean Shadow Rider Calyrex VMAX has a really powerful attack and this ability. It wasn't very, very it wasn't good. that good. I mean, the only thing, yeah, that's true. The only thing that enabled Shadow Rider for the time when it was really broken was Gengar Mimikyu, to be honest. Yeah. That's like what put it over the edge. Before that, it was like solid. Um, it was like solid um, as well. I, it's really going to expand it, apparently, but I don't want to think about that. Um, but I'm excited for the Zatu. Zatu looks sick. Yeah, but um, I hope they release some solid it. attackers. Gengar Mimikyu, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited for the Zatu for sure. It's like it's such a it's such a cool, powerful ability. Hopefully, they give us some solid attackers, some interesting stuff to work with with it. Um, it's one of those it's one of those cards as well that we might see for a while, and it can come in and out of the meta because it is just good with psychic Pokemon, right? You know where so it's as, probably really good though. Where the GLC, buddy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pro- that's actually probably broken in GLC. Yeah. That and Malamar. Yo, Psychic's about to have a come up in GLC. That's for sure. <laughs> Whenever I played Psychic, it always felt like it lacked draw power. But, it uh, definitely did. People were playing freaking Musharna in their deck as draw power. <laughs> That's not very good. No. And the Musharma is definitely not it. But with Zatu, with the power of Zatu. You've got this plus you've got Curlia now. True, true. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. I haven't played. Psychic when GLC. was the last time you played GLC? I haven't played in it's so long. It's been a little now. bit. It's been a little yeah. bit. I updated it's my one of those before worlds, but I haven't played any of them. You have one of each type or what? No, type I have one of a lot of the types though. Yeah. I, I've um, watched you want to go out of my way to get like two types of decks and constantly keep them updated as new sets release. But I just, there hasn't been enough downtime where I felt like there's like yeah. something I really want to I mean, commit you to. You certainly like, back own into. the majority of cards for all of them. Yeah. 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 That's true. I do have most of the cards that you would need, but yeah, something I want to kind of go to my way to do eventually at, at some point. Maybe if like uh, Full Grip ever brings back like the 1K tournaments. The problem too is like, I mean, I really do enjoy GLC for what it is, but I've just got so many different ways to play Pokemon, man. 
And then like I'm trying to play some other card games a little bit here and there too. Like I've I built a one piece deck. I bought some more Connor cards this past weekend. It's like when I have time to sit down across from someone and play game hopper, bro. A game a game like, hopper, bro. GLC is like a fine choice, but I've got, you know, a hundred retro decks as well. I've got a two player <laughs> cube. If I'm getting more than two people together, if I'm getting eight people together, I'm trying to do a main regular cube. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I just got too many options, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, yo, retro decks is something I haven't played in a while, but I would definitely be down to play some retro decks. Oh, um, bring some retro decks to Pittsburgh. What format you want to play? I don't really care to be honest. Just whatever. Just like oh, I, just, I just like playing Pokemon in different formats. That's why, like I always say, my I'm gonna bring format 2016 is worlds. We'll play Trevenant versus Vespaquin Vileplume. You ready? No, well, not that. Do you actually have that? Probably no. I don't think so. Yeah, good. <laughs> like, I, 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 it's so funny because like <laughs> I've joked around with people before when like you know I was like when people are like making old decks for like formats like you know 2019 and and stuff like that. Or it's like, bro, you don't, you, you want to go back and play Pikaram in YouTube text? But see that something like that. I'm trying to go know, a little bit further back. I'm trying to go a little further back for sure. Something like that, I think, would be fine. It's whatever. But I, I actually have a funny story, kind of about this. Uh, like, uh, uh, for the 2010 format, I have a Gliscor Spiritomb deck built. So for anyone who doesn't know how mm. this deck functions, basically the goal of it is every single turn. Gliscor level X has a poke body that when you level up your active Gliscor, uh, you leave your opponent's active Pokemon paralyzed. And then Poison, the Gliscor has an attack that returns it to your hand. You promote a Spiritomb, which has a poke body that says your opponent can't play any item cards from their hand. So it's basically just like a lock deck that you paralyze your opponent's active. You send up a Pokemon that says they can't play item cards. So they can't play switch or escape rope or what point at the time to get out of it. And then they're just stuck. It's a lock deck. And I remember playing old decks with Michael Slu uh, Slutsky one time, one of our friends. And he was playing again. Like, I just had, like, my 10, 2010 decks with me or whatever. Someone was playing that against him. And he was just looking at his hand, looking at the board. He was miserable. And he just looked at me. He said, Chip, why did you even build this? Who is going to want to sit here and play against this deck, like, ever? I'm pretty sure the Glitzcore deck was actually really, really good, but you actually couldn't. There wasn't enough time to actually win yeah. games. That was one of the problems. You're only with doing the deck. like 30 damage a turn or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You're doing 30 damage a turn, eventually drawing a single prize card. Like you have a lot of actions on your turn to constantly keep up your loop. So yeah, I think it was one of the problems with the deck was actually time constraints. Because um, back then it was best of one, 30 minutes as well, I believe. Um, well, also, there was Gardevoir that had like the teleportation poke power, right? Like that's kind of a problem for it. True. Maybe you just lost the guard war as well. I didn't think about that. Um, one last card we can take a look at here real fast if you scroll to the bottom. Sure. Just for the just for the point of talking like power creep terms, Volcanion is back. Literally almost the exact same baby Volcanion we've seen in the past. But oh, I did not even realize this. Yeah. <laughs> it only has ten more HP. Uh, no, it's the same. It. It's the same amount of HP. No, it's one twenty. I think the other one has one twenty. No, no, it's one thirty. The old one's one thirty. Right, hold up. Let me cook. Uh, wait, wait, wait. How much do you want to bet? How much you want to bet? That's tough. I played a lot of Volcanion. You too. did. <laughs> All right, we'll bet five gifted. So if you ever stream again, I'm never gonna stream again. Where is it, dude? It does have 130. What? <laughs> the other one has 120 though, right? The the one yeah. from like Greenzard and stuff like that. Okay. 
Dude, I thought I had 130. But the second attack is different, actually. It is different. It costs one it more actually, energy, yeah. but it does 20 more damage. Wow, what a trade-off, bro. What a deal. From 100 to 120 for an extra energy? <laughs> bro, they did not scale this card up very well at all. But maybe maybe we do have the Rapidash. What are you building up? I guess so that's the question. Like, what is this building up towards? Yeah, see, that was the thing. With this Volcanian, you could build up the Volcanian EXs that were powering up your attack anyway, right? You're yeah. not really going to want to build up Rapidash to do 60 damage, <laughs> right? It's a stage one. So. <laughs> hey, not just 60. We could get up to 180 if we have four heat boosts active. So, no. Yeah. Rapidash is like another card that it seems so powerful and it was just never even like, yeah. And like the ability is cool. It being on a stage Dude, one, feels fire bad has back a then, lot but... of support right now. Fire, like, there's a lot of good fire cards. We're just missing like the one Something. thing. We do have Charizard, I guess, now, but it's like not a fire deck, right? It's like, not, no, yeah. Like, it is, but it's a fire deck in the sense of you have to play literally Charmander. everything except the Charizard. If you didn't have to play Charmander, you wouldn't have any fire Pokemon in your deck. <laughs> but you would have fire energy still. Yeah, you'd have fire energies. I what I'm saying is like the weird deck. thing about these Terra Pokemon. Oh, you you do not like the Terra Pokemon typing. Well, I mean, you thing. even pointed it out whenever we were talking about the, the Hoopa, right? Like, oh, yeah, cool. It's this Hoopa, but. Oh, OK, yeah. But I, I was just kind of putting that out there. I was like, you won't be able to use Dark Patch with it. But like, I assume they're doing this for a reason. I assume like that the, they have some like play around it like i assume they're not just like and hoopa's fighting type and i wonder if that's how it, it works they just roll a <laughs> dice or something and they're like "Ooh, this is gonna be this type here we go it could be that'd be funny well but like charizard definitely has a theme right there's been dark charizards in the past like sure um is hoopa's like alternate or other typing fighting like no. is it what is it a ghost it's a psychic dark type okay so fighting is kind of off the wall for that one what about Tyranitar being lightning type. Does that make sense? Uh, Slightly because of Iron the Thorns. Dark, is the Dark Charizard the only one that they're going for with some kind of theme here? Iron Thorns, the Paradox version of Tyranitar, is a electric type. Oh, but the, Titar, but the one we have is not a Paradox Pokemon. No, no. Oh, okay. Iron, are we going to get this eventually then as a Paradox Pokemon, Iron Thorns? Probably, Potentially. Right? Yeah. I assume we're going to get all of them. Because they're not that many, right? It's like, what, 12 or Yeah, something? but we didn't get all the Megas, right? Like, back when Megas existed. True. But could we never get Mega a back Mega in Pinsir. Dude, they... Oh. My boy Pinsir. Did him dirty. Looks sick. We we didn't get a Mega Lopunny until Mega Lopunny and Jigglypuff. Same with Sableye. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, that doesn't really, like, doesn't really matter. It's like, okay. It sure, wasn't you the, never mega gave us the Mega Pokemon, but it, like, was a Mega Pokemon, you know? Mega Sableye. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even think. Yeah, that's when I learned about Mega Sableye being a thing. Was this card? I was like, wait, I was like, is this a wait? Is this a Mega? We didn't get the Mega though. We didn't have the Mega. Nope. Yeah, I guess I can't fit everything that's in the video games into the TCG. Although maybe they could. There's so many filler cards in the Pokemon TCG. They just gotta pick better filler cards. Yeah, just give us like a Mega Sableye. Just be, instead of like worrying about how to fit it into the meta, make it suck, but like put it out there. You know, give us the Mega Sableye. You know. Make Iron Thorns suck, but give us the give us the Iron Thorns. You know where are the Iron Thorns? Well, lots of cool, exciting new cards coming out. Um, Azul seems to think Zatu's better than Golden Go. I think Golden Go is a little bit better. We'll look back. They're both at this. cool. They're, 
Well, Zatu is definitely way more potential for oh, he's longevity, back right? He's back. Well, Zatu has way more longevity. He knows for... Golden goes way better. <laughs> no way. Well, on release, maybe, but like Zatu's potential in the long run is like way higher, right? Azul and I have this. Well, we don't really have a bet going, but like we've both talked about this. Whenever uh, Obsidian Flames rotates out of standard and you look back at the history of the. Um, you know, the set's playability. Yeah. Which of the two cards will have been more played? Pidgeot EX or, or Cleffa? And Azul says Cleffa. I say Pidgeot. And I think it's like got to be Pidgeot for sure. But Azul yeah. seems more to think literally every deck decks. is going to play Cleffa in the future. Dude, I put Cle Cleffa was like the MVP at the Vespa Queen deck. Okay, so Dude, like... you said the deck sucked. Yeah, but Cleffa was cooking, man. And plus four, plus five. Like, I wasn't doing anything else on my turn one anyways. We were cooking with Cleffa. Yeah, the Cleffa was definitely MVP for sure. I mean, Mew it is felt certainly good. better in that deck. Mew? Yeah. No, dude, I need grass energy, bro. <laughs> I can't find him. There's no True. bench base for the Eldegoss. All right. Well, with all that being said, we'll move on to our opportunity to thank our sponsor, Dragon Shield. Of course, we do have to give a big thank you to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. We love working with them. We love their products. We're grateful for the partnership that we have. Of course, Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and so much more. You got your sleeves picked out for this weekend in Pittsburgh, Azul? I have not quite yet, but I do have to choose from behind me I, the blood reds are the ones in the front here so i'm probably going to blood reds this summer i keep saying that that's because i have the you most do of those, keep so. saying that so, yeah <laughs> but if you guys did in any uh sleeves for the regional coming up yourselves or any of the tournaments you're going to cups challenges regionals check out dragon shield over at dragonshield.com slash web shop slash us or eu or literally anywhere else like literally i'm sure you probably have a, a, a box of them in your closet even so literally anywhere else you can find them local game stores Amazon.com, Walmart, you name it, they're there. Pick them up. Best sleeves in the game. And I forget that flavor text. Chip, it is my turn to pick a card for you. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know how close, guess that flavor text works, I'm going to read the flavor text on a Pokemon card. And then Chip will have to try and guess which Pokemon that card and flavor text belongs to. If you get it right on the first try, you have four points for each lifeline you each lifeline you use, you lose a point. There's three lifelines. What set the card is from? What stage of card is reading attack name on the card? Chip, are you ready? I am so ready as well. Let's get it. <clears throat> Advancing my lead this week. Let's see it. <laughs> Blank's ability to see through objects comes in handy when it's scouting for danger. Hmm. Ability to see through objects. So that makes me think it could be like a psychic, maybe a ghost type Pokemon. When it's scouting for danger. Hmm. So, I mean, to me, scouting for danger, it's going to be like a, probably like a basic, you know, of an evolving Pokemon, most likely. That's kind of what this, the vibe I get from this. Maybe not necessarily, though. Could it be something like, well, I was going to say Sableye. It's got those, you know, the, the jewel eyes. Like, does it use those to see through things? Let me go with uh, some lifelines here. I do need a little help for sure. We'll go with what set the card is from to start with. It is from Fusion Strike. Fusion Strike. All right, let me hear the flavor text one more time. Blank's ability to see through objects comes in handy when it's scouting for danger. 
to see through objects. Let me have you read an attack name. Thunderclaws. Thunderclaws. So a lightning type Pokemon. Seeing through objects. I think there is a Thunderous in the set. That's the one lightning Pokemon I'm thinking of. There's a Toxtricity in the set, but I don't think it's Toxel or Toxtricity. Could it be Thunderous, you know, seeing through the objects, like seeing through clouds, maybe, in the sky? Are they all in the sky? The genies? Thunderous, Landorus, all them? Yeah, I thought it was yeah. just Tornadus that was, like, up there. The Tornadus is, like, no, all They're all, they're all right? flying-type Pokemon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are some weird ones. They they all have two forms. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a genie form and then like a, you know. What is the other form of the the purple one? Let's look that up now. It's a it looks like a turtle, bro. <laughs> Wait, what's it called? Dude, it's What is it called? Ridiculous. Let me pull it up well, real the, quick. For the the one on the playmat is ridiculous as well. Yeah. Enamorous, that's what it's called. Enamorous. Uh, oh, I see it now. <laughs> turtle form for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Right, this whole Pokemon is ridiculous. All right, uh, let's get back to that. I mean, I don't know that what stage the card is going to be is going to help me here. Let me just have you read it one, one, one more time. Blank's ability to see through objects comes in handy when it's scouting for danger. Scouting for danger and thunder claw or something like that. Thunder clap. Thunder claws. Thunder claws. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, could it be like a Manectric? I don't think there's a Manectric Infusion Strike or an Electric. It doesn't really sound like Thunderous, but I just don't know what else it could be. I'm going to go with Thunderous. I don't think the stage is going to help me, so let's just go with Thunderous and let's see as well what happens. I think it would have helped you a lot. I'll give you one more guess. Uh, it is a stage two. A stage two? Thunderclaws Fusion Strike... By the way, I feel like Fusion Strike is like your most chosen set on Guess the Flavor Text. I feel like you are. I mean, yeah, always it's come up a couple strike. times. Come up. Oh, man. Stage two lightning type? <laughs> is this like ridiculous that I don't know this? I thought I messed up when I realized there was only one attack on the card and I had to say Thunderclaws. So I thought you were easily going to get it when I said that. I was like, oh, well, I guess dude, it's over. Have I punted? How did I punt? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm drawing a big blank here. I'm going to feel the, silly, the flavor, I guess. The flavor text, not like you not being able to get the flavor text with it, I don't think is like too unreasonable. It is Luxray. Is the oh. Car. I don't know. Do you feel silly? I don't think it's like that. I thought you would I get it when, as soon as I said Thunderclaws. Yeah. I mean, who knows about I didn't even know this card existed, to be honest. Uh <laughs> I had no clue this card even existed. Oh, man. Fusion Strike. It can see Luxury. through objects. Apparently. It's got to scout for that danger. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, this one. Maybe I should have gotten this one. I don't know. I feel stuff. Why They print so many Luxray cards, by the way. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but they're. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, even just in the Sword and Shield era. It's well, like one of those Pokemon. Like so there's I mean, one. it's probably a pretty popular Pokemon, right? I think they tend to do that. Yeah. Like one, there, how two, many Mews are there? Four, five different ones, including cool the Pokemon. They're not very good, though, ever. 
I mean, we had luxury. Well, they're always kind of interesting, right? Yeah, they do. They put a little work into well, the the one from Fusion Strike is definitely not very interesting. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely uh, they definitely always add a little bit to it, I guess. But yeah, they're not very good ever. There's a lot of them though. There's a lot. Yeah, I think this one is from like a starter theme deck type thing in Japan. But mm-hmm. oh, it has that. It does have a little year. bit of a like a weird artwork look to it too. I yeah. noticed. I was like, this looks like a a promo card or something. Like um, the whole evolution sure. line is very boring. I think it's from a starter product. Like Shinx yeah. has two attacks, one for ten, two for twenty. Luxio I mean, kinda... has two for fifty. Luxray yeah. has two for ninety. Right. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. It's just bread and butter. Like learn to play the game cards. You know. Definitely seems like it for sure. All right. Well, that was a fun guess this flavor text this week. Chip. I'm disappointed. Outing I'm disappointed. his Pokemon knowledge for sure. Uh, and to close out the episode this week, we're talking Pittsburgh, talking the meta in general. And we're going to be doing a little bit different than we've kind of done in the past. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, we will be going through a tier list um, and talking about each deck individually. Of course, we'll tell you where we're placing it in the tier list if you're listening on Spotify or whatever. Um, and then talking through each deck that way kind of keeps everything more organized for us, you know, more so than anything. So, yeah. Um, and where we're going to all... be ranking these is kind of just like our opinion on how strong we think the deck is in the current meta, I think. is well, like... Not cur- for like Pittsburgh specifically. Like if we expect for some reason, yeah, like current... full charts are like, current meta we... counts as Pittsburgh, I think. Right. E... I mean, when you say current meta, if people are talking just X, whatever the set is, Obsidian Flames. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Sure. We're doing it like based on like, well, if we think like Charizard, this is the most t- popular time Charizard's ever going to be because we don't think the deck's that good, but it's the most hype. It's the most hype it's ever going to be. You know, that will that will like hurt, you know, like Mew from being a better player or something like that because Charizard's pretty good against Mew. Yeah. But like after Pittsburgh, if Charizard really is mm-hmm. not a great deck and it's kind of exposed at Pittsburgh, then we'll expect less Charizard moving forward and so on. So this it's is like definitely... specifically for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's kind of weird, too, because it's like you have to balance the nuance between like how good you think the deck is in general, uh, but also like how played we think the bad matchups of it are going to be. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. That's, all, that's like, like what the meta I feel like a is. tier list normally is just like how good you think the deck is and it doesn't really consider the yeah. other parts, right? Yeah, definitely. Most of the time you're not too concerned with like, well, if Guardi's really popular at Pittsburgh, I mean, or is Guardi's really popular just this week in general? It doesn't really matter. I still think this deck is really strong. And I'd still put it in S or whatever it might be, even if it has like a bad guardian matchup or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and kick us off. Just which, where do you want to start at the top? Yeah, I think we should start at the top. So we've got 11 decks here. It was just the top 10, but we looked at kind of the next few decks. And Azul wanted to put Palki up here as well. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, let's just start with the Giratina Lost Box. Definitely been the most popular deck online the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, Neither of us has been like the biggest fan of this deck, but I I almost feel like I don't know what it is. It like feels better post worlds than maybe it felt before worlds, but the meta is like not that different. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Pats of the Peak is a little bit better than it was, and we yeah. see the team of players leaning into that a little bit more. Um, there's like more. There's also like more stuff like Maridon's gotten really popular after worlds as well, which I feel like Lostina is like fine against. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, but that's a, that's a good thing to see as well because it's like nothing Jurassic had to happen for the meta to just naturally evolve, right? That's what you want to see, right? You yeah. want to see a new deck on top um, for whatever reason it might be. Decks being played in different ways just because of how things are changing up. You want those like natural, you don't need a set release for stuff to change and switch up, which is cool to see. Um, but yeah, Lostina definitely going to be the most popular deck of the tournament, I think. Um, my guess is 15%. I don't know what you think. 
yeah, probably somewhere around there. I mean, we're in a meta right now where, uh, you know, we're not seeing something like what we've seen in the past with like 25% Gardevoirs or 30% Lugias, right? Um, yeah. It's going to be much spread more spread out. So about a t- eight to 10 percenters for sure. But I think Tina will come out on top at the 15%. And um, as far as like builds and stuff go, like what cards uh, people should play. I mean, the heavy path to the peak. I think I've, I haven't experimented with this, but I think some kind of build with like maybe just not playing Greninja, kind of like with uh, Fouché played at Worlds. Um, no Greninja at all uh, and like four paths. So like I think Fouché was a little bit ahead of the ahead of the curve on that one. Um, I think the no Greninja is something to look at. Most people are still playing the Greninja. Uh, the list that I saw the, the that I liked the most recently was Stefan's list that he tweeted out, I think, after winning a League Cup. That I like... It's weird because like I haven't tested the deck at all. And I tested some Tina list, but sometimes I look at a Tina list. Like when I looked at Henry Brands after an ISC, no shade to Henry, but I saw the cross I was like, there's just no way, bro. <laughs> like that was literally my thought. Uh, but I saw Stefan's list. I'm still not, I haven't been a huge Tina fan, but I saw Stefan's list and I was like, ooh, I kind of like this. Like I, I just like, I don't have to play any games with the deck. I just look at it and I'm like, I like what's going on here. I like the choices that are being made. I didn't have to like come to these conclusions myself, but I look at the list and I was like, okay. The four paths of the peak, the double rock sand. Once you get to the point where you have four paths of the peak, is Greninja worth it, or should you just be more consistent about your psychic and grass energy? That's what I'm kind of like trying to come to determination with myself. But um, I could see still playing Greninja, but playing no, no water energies. I've seen that a little yeah. bit here and there online. The threat of it is it's kind of nice to force your opponent to go get mana yeah, fee. I agree. But like, but like sometimes a lot of times when I'm up against the deck, I feel like I'm just like I'm just not going to get mana fee. They're not going to have the Greninja play. And a lot of times they just don't. The deck doesn't function super consistently around getting off the Greninja. Um, it's kind of hard to find one it. of your three waters early in the game. Yeah, and generally you're not threatening like a turn two seven in the loss zone anyways. Like getting seven in the loss zone as lost team is like a little bit more difficult than something like a turbo loss box. Uh, like this list from Stefan does have the vacuum though, so you have a little bit more aggression through the loss zone with that. Um but yeah, if, if anyone was wondering where I would start with Intino, it would just be to pick up Stefan's list and running. I like, I like, I like everything that's going on in it for sure. Yeah, I definitely like for Jet Energy. I think Jet Energy is huge yeah. in Tina right now, or just in like deck. in general for the deck to to function. Um, yeah, anyone who's playing less than four Jet Energy is, is trolling. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. It's just yeah. like a better, just like better than playing Switch, basically. Yeah, like you should cut Switch. Like you, I would play four Jet Energy and cut Switches before I ever cut a Jet Energy. I'm pretty sure. So, L- Giratina Lost Zone box. What are so what are what are we doing here? Let's just clarify one more time. It's oh, like yeah. how we how good we think the deck is combined with how good we think of a play it is based on what we think will be popular, right? Yeah. It's kind of so I'm still yeah. I would still personally put it I it's definitely up there. I I think it probably goes I wouldn't put it in S tier, but I think it probably goes into A tier. That's what I was thinking uh, as well. Maybe I would if I play with it more, I would still maybe put it in B tier. But I don't know. I'd like it's hard to deny its results, the amount of like good players who are playing the deck as well. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't put that much time into it myself. So maybe I'm just a little bit under tested with it. Oh. And that's why I'm not a big fan. But one other card I wanted to ask your thoughts on, uh, based on, you know, friend of ours who did well with it at Worlds, Michael Pramwell, what he claimed the whole time was the MVP of his deck, like the whole weekend was the snorlax, snorlax. <laughs> and snorlax I, I, still just is like not that popular in these online events like some people yeah. have it but a lot most don't i never tried out the snorlax but in the testing in the games i played 
where I didn't have Snorlax, I was like, I wish I had something that I, where I could just punch my opponent that wasn't Tina. So Snorlax yeah. just fits that role. So I would, yeah, I think I like the Snorlax uh, for sure. Uh, another card that uh, Bram played, I believe, was the third Super Rod, which I think does combo well with Snorlax. It's an easier to KO Pokemon that you're committing a lot of energy to. Sure. I think if you play the Snorlax, I think there's definitely a decent argument to also include the third Super Rod that I've seen a little bit from other people. Um, I believe Pram had it in there as well. I'll just confirm that real fast. But yeah, the Snorlax, like, without having tested it, it's definitely a card that I, like, realized. It's, like, something I wanted without realizing what exactly I wanted. But I think Snorlax exactly fits the role that I felt like I was missing when I was playing games with Lost Tina. I was like, I just want something to be able to punch my opponent hard yeah, and not have to worry about setting up a Tina to do it. Snorlax definitely feels solid to me as well. Pram was pretty light on the path to the peak, the two paths to the peak. Yeah. I don't know that you need four paths to the peak, to be honest. I think like three is probably comfortable. Three is good, right? Maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm a fan of this list from Stefan as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think I like the Snorlax too. It feels like we're pretty aligned here on our thoughts on Tina Lost Box. Mm -hmm. Next up, though, we do have Gardevoir. So. This is the deck Azul you played to the North American internationals. Uh, going into Worlds, you talked about Gardevoir being like a, you know, probably top choice for you. You ended up going with the Mew. How do you feel about Gardevoir right now here in Pittsburgh? Uh, I think it's still as good as it hasn't. I think there's a couple decks in the meta right now, uh, like Lost Box, Lost Tina, Gardevoir, and Lugia, where it's like no matter what, you can kind of always play them. And I don't think anything's going to shift around the meta enough where it makes any of those decks unplayable or basically like if you play it you're expecting to go like five four or something uh because the meta is too hostile so i think yeah I, th I still think Gardevoir is the best deck in the format like i don't think i think it's the only s tier deck in the format um and it's not going to show up in the numbers it has been despite being that um but i think it is so it can basically beat anything it doesn't really have any matchups that you're really like hoping to not hit you're just kind of like okay i've got a game plan against literally everything except maybe rapid strike i guess rapid strike's like the one deck you're hoping to not hit uh it's winnable but it's really tough yeah, I think it is the the uh, standalone in the S tier <clears throat> still. Um, what do we? What kind of list do you like right now for Gardevoir? I mean, Tord's list is probably the first one most people are going to look at. He got second place at Worlds, obviously, mm -hmm. with the Luminia on the Forest Seal Stone. Yeah, I think I like that. I uh, there's a couple things that I'm like a little bit unsure, and like one the one thing would be like. You want to play the Lost Vacuum. There's a little bit of flexibility there. Lost Vacuum, Third Stadium. Maybe the Worker Path's been a little bit more prevalent in the format with like Lost Tina and Maridon and stuff like that. You definitely want like three plus outs to Path to the Peak. Um, the Mirage Step Curlia, yeah. uh, I've been liking it so far because it just helps you recover from really slow starts or specifically yeah. against matchups that have Lost Cities. Like you want to go out of your way to set up as many, um, as much draw power slash outs to Guardvor in general as you can. So the Mirage I think Step like you with that. Mirage Step is probably best against the lost city stuff but right now lost city feels like not that popular right like yeah it's like in the pokey maybe like some chien pals have it but arceus is way less popular and the most popular yep. arceus is arctina which plays path um and then Mew feels like it's way less popular as well which is really That's kind true. of the main deck that plays Path uh lost city i should say sorry so I, thing also, I'll say with I also kind of like the, I feel like the downside, pretty much the only downside of this Curlia is like, if you have a hand where you need to evolve and draw cards, and this is the only Curlia in your hand, right? Which it feels is like the... probably happens sometimes, but it feels like such a low percentage of games, especially with yeah. the four level ball in the deck, right? Um, and three other Curlias, plus you could have supporters to draw you like other things, right? So... 
Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's too, like, I would either want to play that or Heavy Ball. Like, I would play one or the other. Like, you just want to be able to smooth out your openings a little bit better. If you prize a Ralts, that's where Heavy Ball kind of covers you. Um, the other thing would be if you only get out, like, two Ralts, that's where the Curlia comes in. And all of a sudden, your board gets a lot bigger, a lot faster. And I think Curlia is probably a little bit better than the Heavy Ball uh, overall. I think it covers more bad start situations and then also has the flexibility of being really really good or and on top of that is really really good against decks that are running like a heavy loss city count so i think i would go with that over heavy ball i would definitely play one the curlia feels like the better of the two options i've also been a fan of the list that james cox has been playing in like a ton of online tournaments i think he's won like three really big online tournaments the last couple weeks with this list that um just feels like a much more like streamlined straightforward deck right it's just like four of a lot of the cards uh but you know the main thing here in this list there's no research and three worker and two collapsed stadium so pretty much saying you're always going to have an answer to path to the peak also has two zoshin in here and two four sealstone to be just more aggressive in the early games and there's no reversal energy as well which is kind of a a big deal right uh, most lists i mean tor played two reversal energy this list just the 12 psychics wanting to reach i i think the main reason is uh wanting to reach with zashin quicker as opposed to having to lean into like getting rare candy gardevoir quicker yeah it's almost like you want to be have the option to almost like be the aggressor as opposed to be the one who's like kind of responding to your opponent um this list when i played it i did feel like i had a couple problems with like some ways that the game plays out uh, one was like not being able to be as aggressive with your boss's orders um, because you only play two and you don't have the pal pad. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then the other was when you play worker, like <clears throat> in comparison to like Taurus, there's only one more stadium pump that isn't worker, but that's like 50% increase, right? Um, when you play worker, you can't play Iona or a boss. And I felt, I definitely felt that quite a bit in the, uh, in that build. So like having more aggressive outs to stadiums that enable you to do other big plays like the boss or like the, I know definitely, I definitely felt like it was lacking in that build. Um, but like, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, the Australians have been playing that since NAIC, right? They've yeah. been playing it for a while. I think Brent uh, played it at worlds. I think James, yeah. James didn't make it through day one, but I think James did play Arctina day one. Um, so maybe went for like a little bit of a different meta call there and maybe would have played the guard war list in day two. Um, but I'm pretty sure Natalie and Brent played this exact build in day two. Natalie so, played a Arceus like, flying pikachu umbreon deck i'm pretty sure oh really oh yeah. okay it was just brent then from the australian group that uh played it but yeah they've been uh they've been you know stick that group's been sticking true to this guardy list for a while now and they're all really great players so there's definitely something there um but yeah i've been those are like the two main things that came up to me there i felt like the the deck was lacking a little bit and i have been like a pretty big fan of the reversal energy it lets you like come back really aggressively um where you can like yeah. you know use your mirage step fall behind two prize cards then you get into the the brainwave shiny arcana guard for and they kind of can't ignore it and then like they can't go like chase your guard for x or anything at that point otherwise you just keep attacking with it over and over again so yeah brent um, got 10th at worlds with this list i didn't realize he finished okay. so highly yeah i knew it was at least top 32 i just didn't know exactly yeah. where yeah right there i don't think quite on a winning in uh situation but like one so. up to top 16 mm -hmm. yeah okay um so Gardevoir, where do yeah. we, so I, I mean, I still think like, I mean, I haven't played like the most with either of these decks, but I've watched James's stream when he's played this and um, 
I just think like the more streamlined kind of, I, I, I feel, I, I feel what you're saying though, about like the two boss, maybe getting a pal pad or a third boss in here, probably pal pad would be a little better. Right. But, um, or maybe it's less necessary to have pal pad because you're not researching your hand away. Right. That's what everyone says, but like that doesn't come up that often where you're playing a research and like losing a bunch of resources all of a sudden, it's just more so like the, the flexibility of pal pad to become, you know, the fifth Iono, whatever you need, or fourth yeah. Iono or that third boss. I don't know. It just opens up more lines of play for flexibility. Um, so yeah, I mean, Guardi's like so powerful right now. You know, it's obvious you can play it a couple different ways and still succeed, right? So, so I think the big question here is matchup wise, where does it line up, right? Like against Lost Tina, I think it's pretty close, right? Um, yeah, Guardi slightly favored, probably, but it's probably close. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I feel like. If if Guardi was slightly favored against it, maybe Guardi would just be the most popular deck. So maybe there's a reason that Tina is the more popular of the two right now. Uh, people yeah. feeling like that Tina is the more favored one. It's probably just close. Uh, Gardevoir against Charizard does seem pretty sketchy. Not gonna lie. So uh, it's got to be a know. question of so... how popular do you think Charizard's gonna be. I think the reversal energy help a lot in like the Charizard matchup. Sure. I think like it's like a fine matchup overall. That's what, I think like I said, like I think Guardi's only solidly unfavorable, and it might be slightly unfavorable against some of these decks, but solidly unfavorable is a rapid strike. Yeah. And everything else besides that is like 50-50 or favorite, it feels like. Maybe some of them are like, you know, 45-55s, and like I would need to put a little bit more testing to get to that conclusion. But the only thing that I feel like I'm really uh really not want to play against is Guardvor is the rapid strike. Everything else is like fine. I think that Gardevoir might be the only deck on this list that I feel like pretty comfortable and feel solid putting it in the S tier. Yeah, I agree. Then we put it in the S tier. Maybe not. Well, we'll talk about some of the other decks, I guess. When we, yeah. get to them, but... <laughs> we can move on to the, the hype deck going to the tournament or the new deck going to the tournament, the Charizard. Pretty underwhelmed personally by it. It's I think it's solid and it's cool that we at least got a new meta deck in uh, obsidian flames at least one was something it would have been bad to have a uh vivid voltage into whatever it was uh, the vivid voltage format uh experience but um i'm not really yeah. blown away by it personally um i think we maybe have too many tiers on this tier list but i would probably put it in the fourth tier i don't know if anything's going to go lower than that though actually there is one that'll go lower than that i'd put yeah charizard in tier four i think c tier you mean c tier yeah c tier yeah, C tier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I I'm on board with that. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. Your C sounded like a D, so I just wanted to make sure. D tier, but yeah, C tier. I also agree. I don't like putting stuff lower than than D tier personally. I, I have know, one deck that'll make this. it to D tier, but okay, one deck we'll that I would put in D tier. <laughs> Is it your Palkia deck you want to add? We'll see. No, <laughs> no I I agree with uh, Charizard C tier. I don't think Charizard should be that popular at Pittsburgh. It just is not 8%? that strong. It's just not that strong. I think it will be played still. I think someone might do okay with it. But, I mean, if we're looking at just, like, online event results, like, here's the late night tournament that happened. Is it Did it happen tonight, last night? Um, Every night, they're always happening. The highest finishing Charizard is, like, 5-2-2. Two, two. There's two of them at 5-2-2. Two, and two. Like, if this thing isn't even at least, like, winning these online events or, like, having good placements in online events... It makes a couple top eights. I haven't really seen it like take it's over. It's been anything. a minute though. It's been a minute. It's, the one thing I always like, the one thing I like to check on these online events when like a big one is going down, I like check the win rate of decks. That's what I always like to check. Sure. Um, and and I feel like Charizard is usually at the low forties in terms of win rate. Forty five um, in so, this one. Yeah. We didn't actually. How, how popular do you think Guardi will be? What is your What is your number for Guardi? Um, ten percent. 
10. Uh, my my mine is 12 but yeah 12 i think it'll be 10 it'll be either 10 or on the high or higher than that sure i don't think it'll be like an eight percent deck or anything which is my prediction for charger i think charger is going to probably be around eight percent I wouldn't be surprised to see Charizard as like a five percent deck. To be honest, I think Charizard really? like has I think a like, lot of people are hyped. To, like it's the only new. I deck, think so I think Charizard like a lot has gotten like pre-exposed as like being not that good of a deck. <laughs> you know, like before the tournament Pittsburgh even happened. needed to happen like two weeks ago, and then it would have been. <laughs> yeah, uh, I could see that. What do you think about this version of the deck? The Lost Box it's so Charizard. Bad. It is so bad, but it's, this is actually it's just not like even fun. Charizard. Yeah, I, it's so bad. I played around with it a little bit. It's miserable. Oh gosh, um, yeah, not a fan. But yeah. So Charizard, oh. I agree. I think we can put it in C tier. I think it's a yeah. fine deck. I don't think it's great though. Um, and I don't even know if there's really much that could change in the future. Maybe like just like a rotation or something would make it a lot. We better. see things that maybe slow down a little bit because like Charizard yeah. wants time. No battle like, VIP pass. Yeah, you want to be able to use your big attack for you want to potentially be able to use your big attack multiple times, right? But you like, maybe get it like once, and you're like, okay, that's it, three hundred thirty. It's like okay, the game's over. It's like oh, okay, all right, I want to do that again, but I guess I can't. Um, yeah, maybe things just need to slow down a little bit. Um, all right, let's move on. One of the big decks for a long time. The Lost Box. I think it's pretty good right now. I think it's pretty solid. Got a favorable Lost Tina matchup, which we're currently predicting to be the most popular deck. So that's got to be a plus yeah. overall, right? Yeah, for sure. I think your Charizard matchup is probably pretty abysmal. It's pretty sketch. Um, I mean, I saw Shemansky playing Atropius with some. It was a yeah. cool. It was a cool looking list. There was a crab in there. The uh, crab V or whatever it does, like, it a, yeah, crabominable V. Yeah, know when you yeah. need that thing, swing hard. Yeah, I, I think your Charizard matchup just like has to be so terrible. Like, I think you can beat Charizard if you second Tropius. Uh, no, it, like if you just like <laughs> the only way you beat Charizard is if they don't play the game. You know, like if you just like turn two so, ninja them and like cheese them out. They, they have a lot of HP or something. Yeah, they have a lot. Of, and, the, and the thing is, the Charizard deck is, like, decent sometimes. It's going, like, turn two, double, triple candy, right? So, like, they're getting, like, the yeah. whole squad out there sometimes really, really fast. And you don't even have time to, like, Sableye pick apart their board at all, which you can usually do against, like, Gardevoir and stuff. So that's a rough matchup for Lost Box. Always had a rough time against the Rapid Strike deck, of course. Uh, and then, like, Lugia is a deck that's, like, you know, kind of a staple deck that hasn't been as popular recently. But that's also a tough matchup for Lost Box in general. So Lost Box, uh, but you're, you're pulling, like, a slightly favorable Guardi matchup, it feels like, most of the time. Favorable against Lost Tina, which we're predicting to be the two most popular decks. Um, so I think Lost Box is still a solid deck. Um, you never know when you're going to donk someone with Dragonite. So I would still put Lost Box in the A tier, I think. I don't know where you how you feel about it. No, I agree with A tier uh, inclusion. I don't think it's S tier like it maybe has been in the past. Do you want to order the decks yeah. within like the tiers of like, which I we generally, think is strongest? I generally don't like doing that. I feel like if you get to that point, you should just add another tier at that point. Whenever like, you're feeling like you want to order them in the tier list, in the tiers. I always just like to say like, these are S tier. These are A tier. And if you're really feeling like ordering a bunch of decks inside a tier, you should probably just add another tier. Sure. Um, anything Next else you want to say on Lost the... Box? Ky well, Kyogre versus not Kyogre. Do you have an opinion on oh, that? Sure. I think both are pretty good right now, personally. I like. I kind of like all Lost Box builds. No, I think uh, Kyogre might like th this feels like a good time for kyogre i mean but the, the thing is is like the matchups that it's best against is going to be stuff like the tina and the jim pow and the maridon which are like matchups you should probably be okay against already without kyogre so yeah. it's like a lot of effort i guess the main swing would be uh if you expected more lugia lugia was the most popular deck day one of worlds that was pretty crazy i think if you're not playing kyogre your lugia matchup is like not very good but if you have kyogre it's like very winnable for sure yeah actually wasn't lost box 
20% of the meta in day two? Yes. It was, right? It didn't have yes. that good of a showing for being 20% of the meta, to be honest. That was I was super Boss surprised. Box? I was yeah. I mean it made top eight. Like, but I'm saying like overall, being 20% of the meta, like yeah, I, sure. know, I, I didn't see them at all towards the top tables at the end. Um that really okay. surprised but day one and day two of world's meta surprised me. Lugia being the most popular did, was a shock. And then Lost Box being the most popular by that much was a surprise, especially with how much lost Tina there was as well. So much loss zone. Um, how popular do you think the, the Lost Box will be then? I think there's a chance. I think it's still just going to be like a solid 10% deck. Um, yeah. Just because people like won't want to put it down. But like I, I almost feel like it should be like a 7%er, you know, but it, I don't think it will be. Yeah, my general idea about Lost Zone decks is like there was people who like playing Lost Zone decks and like like they made up a percentage of the meta, but it feels like more people are into playing Lost Tina than were into playing Lost Box. So a lot of people who are playing other decks have like gravitated over to playing Lost Tina when they normally wouldn't have gravitated to, gravitated to playing Lost Box. I kind of thought that they kind of shared a percentage, but I, the more it's kind of uh, seen the meta evolve, it feels like that's not true. Next deck up on the list is the Maridon Flaffy. So this one really has surged in popularity post-World Championships. Um, was not super high on people's radars going into Worlds, but at Worlds, well, obviously... What What's up? I say it did well for like how many people played it, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I think there was like five in day two or something like that. And two got top 32 both andrew mahone and uh sage and park and then one more got like 30 let me see 39th yeah so like close to top 32 i don't know if that's a bubble or just like kind of right right there but yeah overall like this deck did do pretty good um there's only five in day two is that what you said i think it was five or six yeah let me just scroll real quick and see if i oh wait you can literally yeah the whole all of worlds is here (laughs) yeah yeah, it's like four or five, uh, five or six. Yeah, it's like about five or six. Yeah, I think that was the number. I remember looking at the tournament. I, I had actually looked at Gabber's build before. Oh, 39. it tells you the statistics uh, are on the list. Oh, nice. <laughs> I had actually looked at Gabber's build before, and I just looked at it again. I was reminded about it. It was this is like an insanely turbo right turbo list. Five. Four tracking shoes, three switching cups. Yeah, I think that um, this is what the Schultz brothers played in day one as well. Oh, they were like this turbo, turbo, turbo. Um, I remember that Robin had Regielecki in his deck, but I d- I don't know for sure. I guess. Yeah, I heard that they had some lucky build. Yeah, I don't know about switching cups is is a new extreme. I haven't seen this before. Yeah, but... guarantee those generators. You know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, save stuff before you squawk and seize it away, right? <laughs> You must no, preserve the resources. What has prevailed is the most popular way to play this deck since Worlds has definitely become Andrew Mahone's list with the four paths to the peak, which, yeah. you know, at first glance, like, I mean, that's a pretty crazy innovation, like not what people would have expected in a Maridon deck, you know, going into Worlds. But um, Path is overall just like the best stadium in the game right now, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So you just combine far. like your raw aggression with Path to the Peak. It's like a pretty good recipe. Yeah, disruption with aggression, right? You got some judges in there, some Ionos for the late game potentially. Um, but and then the the other top thirty-two list was Sajins. Um and uh I feel like Sajin has like this is like the like no one else is playing this build, basically, it feels like this is like the Sajin build. And actually Sajin recently won the most recent late night tournament. There yeah. was no top cut into the most recent late night tournament because I heard PDC July was being funky, so they had to cut it after nine rounds. So uh, but Sajin was eight oh one. 
Um, and actually, Shintaro was playing a path build and was in top eight as well. Um, so both builds were in top eight of the most recent late night. Sajin and Shintaro, two of the biggest names in the game, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Everyone's kind of loving Maraidon right now. It's definitely it's a huge surge in popularity post-Worlds, like uh, a lot. It's probably the most, besides like Charizard, because that's a new deck, like probably the most Jurassic yeah. shift in like meta percentage we've seen. From yeah, the I, I think Maraidon's going to be pretty popular at... I think it'll be uh, around 10. Yeah, I think it's going to be around 10 as well. I mean, I think like a lot of the people who were like rocking with like the Arceus decks and the Lugia decks, like those decks are a little worse right now. I think a lot of people who were kind of playing that last season are going to gravitate towards this Maraidon deck. Okay, but how good do you think it is? I think... How good is on? I think that the deck is good, but I don't think that... Like, if we look at these top four decks... I don't think it's very good against these top four decks. I think it's really good against like Chiem Pao. I think it's really good against uh, the Arceus decks. I think it's really good against Lugia. I think those things combined made it solid at Worlds. I think you can, uh, of these, I think Gardevoir is probably your like, you're probably fine against Giratina. I feel like your Lost Box matchup has to be terrible. I feel like your Charizard <laughs> matchup has to be terrible. Gardevoir, I think you can get, get around Charizard. I don't think Charizard is too bad. You just have to be able to nuke two of them though with Raichu's. I feel like you got that first like knockout maybe on like Arceus V or something. They gotta if they go first, they gotta yeah. get that a lot of basics to play around. You just kind of I guess they do path. put a lightning weak Pidgeot in play most likely. Yeah, four path too. They're super reliant on abilities, right? So sure or three path, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it's it's probably close. Yeah, I think and that's the I thing think... is like you know, you know, turn one attack plus path to the peak can just win games, and I think that's yeah. like what the strength of this deck is right now. I think one of the problems with the deck is i think like i think it actually is just gonna it's gonna come up short consistently against good players because i think good players are playing stuff like the lost box like the guard war um yeah oh so, yeah marina for me is is a tier in uh, the b tier um, i put it i think is, b -tier is a great place to put it yeah b tier or b tier b tier oh i thought you said d <laughs> i was like i don't know about that i think it's better than charizard uh feels more powerful than charizard yeah a lot of your wins are just kind of it feels a little gimmicky little uh little trolly but uh it's not bad uh, just you know, path judge. You know, it's, it's not a terrible way to win games. It's uh, I mean, move it's on. a real thing, right? <laughs> yeah. People have been calling. Well, maybe it is actually the other way. No, it is the other way around. People have been calling this deck Blue Maridon. That is the Chi and Pow Backscalibur. I'm gonna start by saying I think Chi and Pow Backscalibur. It's more like I like to call it a Backscalibur deck, but it it's just not. I don't think it's good. I don't think the deck's good. I think the deck's like not. Very, it's very underwhelming. I think that this deck right now, if you could just get Chiampao, Pidgeot, and Backscalibur into play, and then like Path to the Peak didn't exist, like this deck would be so <laughs> sick. But the fact that Path to the Peak exists and it's played in a lot of the top decks, it's played in Maridon, it's played in the Tina, it's played in the Muse, it's played in the Arceus decks. In combination with the Disruption Supporters is tough. Now, I mean, if you go the, the allure route, I of think, Chien Pao uh, is definitely very strong, right? It can one-hit KO anything. And you anything. also get Gradient Greninja, which is one of the most oppressive attackers in the format. If you just, like, turn two Greninja people, you can just win the game on the spot. Like, against Waiting for water energy or to rotate. What? Waiting for water <laughs> energy to rotate? Is that what <laughs> yeah, you just said? Oh, my yeah. gosh. So, yeah. I think I probably like Chien Pao a little bit more than you do, but... Um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's like amazing by any means. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, the deck just struggles. Uh, there's no build out. There. I haven't played. This is not the really deck that a... you were gonna put in D tier, is it? No, but I would put it in C tier, right next to Charizard. Um, I feel like you have to play B Barrel. That's like the only thing I know about you and Pow. Every yeah. time I played the deck, eh, it's okay. I feel like you have to play B Barrel. Um, I wouldn't even go down the Pidgeot route. Um, yeah. You would like to, I think, to experiment with it and try it out, but it's just like in the current meta, you can't do it. So you got to go B Barrel. But even then, the deck just is a pile for the most part. I feel like. D-tier. Yeah, I think C tier is a fine place to put it. I could, if I like had played a little bit more, maybe I would like be arguing to push it up into B tier, but I think C is like a fine place to put it. I do think this deck will be pretty popular. I think it's like a solid 7 8% deck. Yeah, it'll still be up there. People seem to really like this list, um, or this deck, I should say. But yeah, uh, moving on now, we do have Intellian Urshifu. This was. You know, the deck that won NAIC, it ended up doing pretty decently at Worlds. There was quite a few good players playing the deck as well. Uh, was really close, actually, to making top eight. But, you know, Crackler in round seven got paired into you and was, I'm sure, very <laughs> sad about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Had the text, too. Had the Spirit Tomb. Had the Giacomo, or however you say it. And uh, the, the round after that, Alex was on the winning in against Pram. Right. As well. So, yeah, it was very close to getting to the top eight. And who knows where it could have gone from there. Um but the deck, I mean, I think that the build is pretty standardized, right? There's not too much to talk about in terms of build. Um, I would say you probably shouldn't tech for Mew. I wouldn't play Spirit Tomb or Giacomo because it doesn't matter. You still lose if your opponent has any idea how to play the matchup. So I wouldn't recommend teching the Mew stuff. But if you just go and take uh, Shemansky's list from Worlds and then you know cut those two cards for two other cards, the, the deck's really powerful right now, I actually think. yeah, um, I'm a little bit un familiar with the tina matchup which is probably a matchup you should be pretty familiar with yeah but if you feel confident in that matchup then i don't think you should really be too worried about playing rapid strike at pittsburgh and i think it would be it's like a pretty solid play overall um, but if you're unconfident in the tina matchup i would say not play it but my little experience with the matchup and what i've heard from some people talking about it it seems like it's a pretty good solid matchup like rapid strike or lost box decks are generally pretty good for the rapid strike deck in general i don't think tina's too different they do have the yeah. ability to one hit ko one of your v maxes though yeah, I mean, Tina can also withstand the game a little bit by not having to commit as many low HP Pokemon to the board, right? Yep, because of Abyss Seeking. Um, so I think it definitely is a close matchup, and that's kind of the big question mark. Uh, but if you look at like the matchups here of the top decks, Urshfu and Tellian, favorite against Gardevoir, favorite against Lost Box, favorite against Maridon, Charizard probably favored probably close but probably yeah. favored right i mean yeah it's uh, the rapid strike box is the deck that has the most control over when you take your prize cards of any deck in the format right so you just don't have to give them the big charizard attacks until you want to and like i think the decks that were probably tougher for this like the giratinas and then lugia i don't know actually really tough. how this match i feel like it's like a close matchup but probably lugia favored right yeah lugia's, um, lugia's pretty good against it so uh, arctina's had a pretty bad matchup into rapid strike you had no way to want to KO anything. Yeah. But your Lugia matchup was bad. Arctina matchup was good. But yeah, like Lugia hasn't been. I, I feel like Lugia is one of those decks that it like shows up at regionals. It's kind of like Mew. Like you're like, Mew's a terrible play this weekend, 10%. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Every single time consistently. So I feel like Lugia is definitely not quite as consistently as Mew. We've seen Lugia have it have its fall off moments, but it's still one of those decks when like a major tournament comes around, the Lugia players are going to show up still. But but I think the majority of the meta is good for Rapid Strike and Talion, right? Yeah. I would lean honestly towards putting this in the A tier, but 
Yeah, it I probably agree. No, I think probably fits a little better in B, but I don't know. No, like I like it in with a. a. I mean, we're not talking about in general. We're talking about for Pittsburgh specifically. I think it's a pretty solid player right now. I think, uh, yeah, you know, you're just hoping you don't like you're hoping that Mew and Lugia, you know, don't show up too big because those are like the matchups that are pretty tough. Those ones are pretty tough. And the next one we're talking about is the Mew. It is the Mew indeed. So this has it wasn't very popular pre worlds. It wasn't very as popular in day one. It was like the seventh most played deck day one, sixth or seventh, I think. And then became the second most played deck in day two of Worlds. And then obviously... Hey, was it really? Uh, yeah. The second? I didn't know it was second. Maybe, maybe third. Was might, might have been third. Sorry. Might have no, been you, third. Might, you might be right on that. I think you maybe are right on that. I'm actually not sure. Well, well we, we can, can check. If we only we check. could check real quick. It was second most popular according yep. to <laughs> Limitless. <laughs> it was tied. It was tied with Gardevoir. Tied with Gardevoir. Tied with Gardevoir. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. So, yeah deck that ended up obviously winning the world championships it was the most popular deck in cut of the world championships as well with yourself and dion lee also making top four and top eight respectively with the deck um you know coming off a good finish with the deck as well how do you feel about it what do you think i guess like i i the big question is like afterwards after doing so well and after charizard coming out how do you feel about it um, well, initially it felt like it was like probably in a pretty bad spot because Charizard was more popular and kind of an unknown quantity, but Charizard is starting to fall off a little bit. Like you said, it's getting pre-exposed before the regional even goes down. Uh, if this was happening two weeks ago, I'd say Muse probably not a good play, but I think it's solid. I think it's still as solid as ever. Um, less spirit tombs are running around as well, which of course is good for the thing. Of course, like still stuff like Lost Box is still playing Drapion, but they're always going to have that. Um, but yeah, I think it's about as good as it ever has been, to be honest. I think it's like it's like fine. It's a solid play going into uh, Pittsburgh. It's not as popular. It doesn't seem like it's well. Yeah, I, I I say like it doesn't seem like it's been as popular lately. That's kind of the reflection from online tournaments. But like Mew always shows up at ten percent, like consistently. It went yeah. down. It's never been under nine percent. Maybe like all of last season. Uh, it did. There was like a nine point three tournament, but it's either nine percent or higher. Like it's never. So been does like that under 9%. lead to people busting the techs back into their decks, right? Is the question. Um, I guess maybe also, like we might see the Tinas put back the Spirit Tombs in. We could see that. Honestly, I think the Tinas instead of Spirit Tomb should play Drapion. That might be the better way to go, to be honest. I guess that you'd kind of maybe want to make a prediction around Lugia because like Spirit Tomb is so powerful against Lugia. But yeah, I, 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 it definitely feels like the Spirit Tomb does not do that much against Mew. But Tina used to have one of the best Mew matchups yeah. in the game back when it did play the Drapion. But that was also DTE Mew, right? Like, you have a little bit more yeah. flexibility because you have the one prize Meloetta option. Definitely different. Um, so it's not, like, pretty... The reason that Tina used to just stomp Mew is because you could only attack with Mew VMAX. Yeah. And you just had two guaranteed <laughs> one-hit KOs on Mew VMAXs. Yeah, you Drapion just sit there. Three, you didn't even... Tina for three. Yeah, you wouldn't even put down your Tina until you went, like, build up your board, like, go through some comb fees, and then you'd be like, all right, bench Tina, bench Drapion, knockout. And they'd be like, okay, uh, and then they're in kind of a tough spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're specifically trying to tech from you, I think, I mean, maybe. I would have to, like, test it again because things have changed for sure. But it definitely was, like, at Worlds, I was not afraid of Spiritomb in Lost yeah. Tina, that's for sure. So um, where do we think Mew should go? I mean, it's not, like, I, I feel like I could see it being an A-tier play as well this weekend just because of how powerful the deck is just in general. Yeah. I, th I think you're I think you're right. I think it, it probably deserves an A slot still. Um, you still kicking, still very much alive, feeling good. Ardatina is a name that I have not heard in quite some time. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> and this is my hard. dear tier, this is my D tier deck. 
Um, I, your Guardi matchup is rough with how much Guardi's looking out for path. Lost Tina is a terrible matchup. Yeah. Rapid Strike matchup is bad. Your mute, your Fusion Mew matchup is bad. Your Maridon matchup is bad. What do you beat? Still unsure. Your Chi and Pao matchup is probably good, but that's because Chi and Pao is so bad. But we're not beating anything. There's no reason to play the deck. Arctina has fallen quite a ways. Tina decks and I mean Arc decks in general have fallen off pretty heavily, to be honest. But it's because of Lost Tina. Lost Tina is pretty tough for Arc decks. Yeah, I think Lost Tina. Like, I mean, if your deck this weekend can't beat Lost Tina, it's gonna be <laughs> Pack it pretty up. tough to to decide to play it. Now, I will say, like, it could be a little more justified than like playing a deck that lost to Lugia this past January, right? Like, you would never have played a deck that lost to Lugia in the like Silver Tempest format. Like, it would just it yeah made no that's, sense. <laughs> well, that's like a thirty percent to a fifteen percent, right? It's a pretty big difference. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, if you really want to roll up with your Arctina and you know, hope to get lucky against the couple lost teams you play against. It's like not a terror. It's not as bad as like rolling up something that straight up lost to lose. I mean, there will be people in day two of the tournament that play zero lost Tina day one. It's just like That's true. part of the variance of Pokemon tournaments. So there is always the chance. But also there will, be the people, there will be people in day two of the tournament that played six lost Tina's day one. So like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it can all happen you're you to... feeling lucky punk you know like <laughs> <laughs> i this is definitely I... the type of deck for someone who drove like 30 minutes to the event that's the time to play arctina because if you go oh three because you hit three lost tinas you can just go home <laughs> i would probably lean more towards putting it in c and just like not doing anything in d but i i'm i think I'm it's honestly... i think it's solidly worse than charizard and gm pow though like as far as the yeah. play goes like sure sure five tiers work here all right, we've got Single Strike Lugia next. Like we mentioned, Lugia was the most popular deck. Day one of Worlds did not do very good in day two. I think its conversion rate was like probably okay, but not like amazing by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Lugia still did okay at Worlds. There was like three, I think, in top 32, something yeah. like that. Uh, I mean, there were, yeah, there's a couple on the win in, like Raz lost the win in. Yeah. Um, so they were here in top 32. They were close. They were close. They were not too far off from from making it, but yeah, none, none did make it. Um, but I'm actually a pretty big Lugia fan overall right now. I've actually it feels like most tournaments when that like I'm thinking about. I now I don't like playing the deck, um, but if you enjoy playing Lugia, like this is a I think it's a pretty good week to be playing. I think it's just solid right now. I think Lugia is really solid. Yeah, I mean if we look at these top decks. I think Lugia is fine against Gardevoir, especially if people are not playing Spiritomb and Temple of Sinnoh. Oh, that Sinnoh, combo is reason. brutal for Lugia, but it feels like almost no one is playing Spiritomb and Gardevoir right now, and At there all. are less Temple of Sinnohs in lists as well, so those are that's two good things for Lugia. Um, I think your Lost Tina matchup is solid. It's, it's, it's like fine. Yeah. Like, you've maybe slightly favored, maybe either way, right? Probably just 50-50. Um, I think your Lost Box matchup is fine. Kyogre's closer, but regular Lost Box is fine. Your Urshifu matchup is fine. Your Mew matchup is not very good. Well, I your think Mew matchup, matchup is, fine. is probably think... not very good, right? The Mew matchup is fine. I think Mew and Maridon are both fine matchups. It's just like the way the games play out makes it feel bad. That's like something I have like... Uh, I think realized. Maridon having the charm or whatever the the thing that buffs their you HP just, makes you got to play stone journer if you got the stone journer sure, sure you definitely need to be playing stone journer if you're playing lugia this weekend 
Uh, but if you got the stone generator, I think the matchup's like about 50-50. It's just like Maradon blows you out of the water and beats you turn one a lot. Yeah. When you actually play like 100 games, I think it gets pretty close to 50-50. That's my experience. But, you know, I'm obviously not like a huge fan of even playing that much Lugia. So uh, I don't go out of my way to play too much Lugia. But I think it's I think it is pretty close. Up your stadium. Make sure you're playing the Pumpkaboo. I would also yeah. like play four stadiums as well. A lot of path. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can get on board with all those things. Uh, I guess like so no Urshifu then is kind of the question. Charizard is probably tough without Urshifu, but like honestly, does Urshifu even really make a difference? I guess because like Urshifu is your way you can one shot yeah. something, but then at the same time, they just one shot your Urshifu back for three prizes at the end of the game. There's enough like two prizes in play, and they don't actually, they can't deal with your gift energy. Like they always have to trigger your gift energy. So I think that matchup is fine with Urshifu or the Cobalion. Um, yeah, Cobalion's been I, a tech that a lot of people. I also play. just wouldn't tech for Charizard if I was uh, to yeah. play Lugia. I don't think I would tech for Charizard. Cobalion, like, I think makes the matchup fine. Without Cobalion, I think you're probably in trouble against Charizard, but it's like a deck that we're kind of like saying is like not that powerful and is already not going to be that heavily played. Like, why would you? You don't have to tech for everything. I'd rather be a little bit more consistent against the decks I expect to do well than uh, the Charizard. I hope to just not to hit one of in day one. Yes, I mean, I think Lugia is in a good spot. Um, are we? We're, I don't know. We're that we're doing five A tier decks though, and Might? it's probably I mean, not good enough to be S tier, right? No, definitely. I think it is just another A tier deck though. That's how I feel about Lugia going to this tournament. Anyways, like I mean, you said it too, right? Like we're not we're not doing it, but you you kind of want to do it, don't you? Yeah. No, I mean it's definitely <laughs> better than B tier. I feel like it's as far as plays for the tournament go, it definitely feels better than B tier. Um, um, a deck I think we can probably stick in B tier, and this is the one I wanted to put on the tier list, just because I think it is like a solid deck, and I'm actually like a, it's a very I enjoy playing this deck personally. This is the Palkia deck, so I wanted to add it to the tier list. It's very underplayed, so that's why it's not initially on the tier list. Um, I think that the build is pretty much discovered. Not too much to talk about there. Go look up Cyrus's build from Worlds. Maybe make a couple adjustments. Um, but yeah, I, this deck is just like super fun to play. To be honest, I really enjoy playing this deck a lot. Um, it's a ton of fun for me personally um and i think it's like it's one of those decks that's like surprisingly just feels solid against most decks but it's nothing it's not like a guard where it feels like it hits that like or a mew a guard or a mew or a lost tina where it just feels really powerful you kind of just like get by but you have the deck get, gets by consistently against most matchups you're not really struggling against anything well there is the first ever uncommon energy tier list of where we think all the decks rank going into pittsburgh a lot of a tier decks i mean there's just like a lot yeah. of good decks right now right um yeah. i feel like if we maybe like argued about this or like thought about it a little more we would maybe move some of these around like i could even see putting lost box down in like b tier to be honest yeah i mean i don't i wouldn't hate that adjustment to be honest like um Are we doing it i don't know if we're doing it though i wouldn't do it that lost box is lost box you know, so I, like the thing is, like, there's so many different builds of Lost Box. One of the builds will probably be A tier, and the rest will be like B and C tier. But like Kyogre, Turbo, some kind of like one prize single strike or one prize stuff, like what Alex Shamansky had uh, in his build. He's been playing at Cups recently. Like, one of those kind of builds is probably A tier, and the rest are probably B and C. Um, so I think it's fine to like leave it in A. But like, it, yeah, there's so many different builds of Lost Box, right? Yeah. I don't know. I also am like, Maybe having a moment of clarity here and like looking at the fact that Giratina Lost Box is in the A tier. And I'm just like remembering all the times I've gotten like Iono to four and drawn like V Star, Sableye, Grass Energy, and like a nap. I do, or something, I do know? not like, enjoy 
like I said, like I don't like enjoy the the way that Lugia plays. I don't enjoy the way that Lostina plays either. But it's really hard to ignore the evidence, you know? Yeah, sure. So I don't know. I, I could see putting it down in B. I would be fine putting it down in B personally, like with just my my opinion of the deck being applied. But you know, it's hard to yeah, it's hard to ignore the evidence. It's out there. But is this not meant to be our opinion, right? Like, All right, let's put Lostina in C. You're right. C. <laughs> We're no. dropping it from A to C. I, I mean, think we, we got to be like, a, it's our opinion with some objectiveness, right? Like, so, so I think B is the happy medium. All right, lost. I can get behind Lost Tina and B. To be honest, I can, I can get behind that. And Lost Box and B as well. No, no, no. I think this is good. This feels better. If we could split up the Lost Box variants, like I don't even know which one I think is best going into Pittsburgh, but I think you could probably split up into like three different variants, and it would probably there'd be like one in A, one in B, one in C. That one's really hard to predict though, because that's like purely based on. The meta percentages for every deck at the tournament, which we could like make our predictions on, which we did, but sure. Um, and then yeah, like Palkia. So this is our tier list of how we feel these (laughs) decks are positioned going into the tournament, as far as like how good of plays they are, and like mixed with how what the meta is going to look like, and what we think the meta is going to look like, and um, how we feel about the decks. And we'll do like stuff like this for future tournaments as well. Not every single major tournament, but whenever we feel like there's a big shakeup, a good enough shakeup where we want to do it, probably going to like every going to like every IC, we'll probably do one. And any first format, uh, first format of a tournament, we'll go through it again as well. So, uh, but yeah, with that said, I think we've almost covered everything. Last last thing to talk about, we've got some predictions to do. Oh, jeez. Uh, heading into the first. <laughs> this is going to be our longest episode ever, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it had to happen at some point, right? um <laughs> heading to the first we'll go through these real fast here heading to the first regional of the season first major tournament of the season let's uh rattle these off real fast chip highest placing charizard deck like i said charizard got pre-exposed <laughs> i don't th- i think the highest placing charizard is going to be top 64 that's what i was gonna say but someone's got to run hot and dodge whatever matchups the deck is bad against. I'm going to go with the top 32 mm, on okay. the Charizard here. I just got to try and I got to try and get an advantage somewhere. Top 128 seems like a little bit too far. I feel like one, sure. one will definitely get top 64. So I got to hope for something there. And then the battle of the beat sticks, Maridon <laughs> versus blue Maridon. What deck is more likely to win Maridon or Chi and Pao? I'm going with Maridon for sure. Like I said, um, Sometimes just like that aggression of path plus a turn one attack is enough to just like win a game. Throw a judge in there too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on this one. I'm gonna go with the Maridon. I can't talk that much. Can't talk that much about the Chi Power. Talk down on Chi Power that much and then pick it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just stick. I'm gonna go with the Maridon as well. And then and the last uh, one here is gonna be: Will our regional champion in Pittsburgh be a first time regional champion, or will it be someone? who's a repeat regional champion, someone who has won a regional championships in their career. Now, if I know Azul, I know he's going to say that he's <laughs> going to win, and so it's going to be a repeat. But I'm saying just by the numbers, it's going to be a first-timer. Someone is going to – Let's. by the way, the person who wins this tournament gets an invite to the world championships. They're in there. The first ever person to uh, get an invite via just winning a regional championships. So, uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to go with a first-time competitor. And am I right, Azul, in predicting that you will say that it's going to be yourself a repeat regional <laughs> champion? I don't think my predictions always align with me winning the tournament. Like, I think for sure. Australia or OCIC, I picked, I picked Japan to win. I think you uh, did, yeah. OCIC. Um, but I do plan on getting my second Worlds invite in Pittsburgh. So lock me in for a repeat chip. First person of... Two two tournaments, two invites. That's like a pretty good track record, right? Or that's a pretty good uh, back-to-back tournament. Honestly, yeah. You would just be grinching whoever is in second place <laughs> out of an invite, right? <laughs> that's a, they got a good start. They got some point, what, 100 or 180 points? They can do something I wonder with that. if they, they would invite. drop it down. Probably not. But no, they I already they, said no. They did that they in Go did. last year, though. Yeah, because that's the only way to get an invite in Go yeah. is. But no, they already said no. They 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 will not drop down. We'll go as champion points this year, I think. Yeah, yeah. They just so that probably won't be the drop down for them. Um, but yeah, go ahead and send us out, Chip. Longest yeah. episode ever. Yes, longest episode ever. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. I'm gonna try to finish it quickly so it's not two hours. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed, be sure to leave us a rating and a review, and follow us over on X.com at Chip Ritchie, at Azul underscore GG and at. Did you just Uncommon. call it. <laughs> did you say that last time yeah that's what it's called bro twitter.com no it is called x.com no bro we gotta hurry up so it's less than two hours we're gonna go to the bonus episode thanks for everyone watching we're gonna go into the bonus episode have a good one catch y'all next week hopefully tuesday at 7 a.m eastern see you under two hours let's get it